You look too much like Gaddafi. They'll catch you and shoot you. <laughs> Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, December 1st, 2011. Time to get Monation Media Assassination Episode 361. This is No Agenda. Rabbit, rabbit, and bunny, bunny from Camp Mofo in Austin, the capital of the Lone Star State. In the morning, I am the Lone Wolf Belindrin, known as Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I have nothing clever to say, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Clue One Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> ah. In the morning to you, John. Sounds like a machine gun. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what I got, man. That's what I got here at, uh, in uh, Camp Mofo. Hey, by the way, I got um, a, a nice housewarming gift here from uh, from producer Josh. Yeah, pot? No, you know I don't smoke the pots. Um, no, he gave me the judge. Oh, he gave you the he judge? He gave me the judge with some 410 uh, shotgun shells and with some uh, 45s. Long, uh, the long, uh, the long cartridge, the long, the big one, the, the big, big one, walker. the big, the big, <laughs> he says, and this is, and, and he said, and these are the is four, the Magnum 45. I don't think it's Magnum, but it's long. Well, I'm sure it Maybe hurt, it'll hurt when you shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and he gave me the, uh, said, and here's the, uh, here's the ones you want to use for home intrusion. This is the 410 shotgun shell with the slug. With a slug, it has a slug and six pellets. So, so it's like first, wow, it's a combo. Yeah, first it tears your arm off, and then uh, inf- you inf- in- the- infects the wound. <laughs> Immediately, Mickey's like, "Oh yeah, let's take some pictures, man." Did you see that picture? Yeah, I did. It's it's pretty. Uh, it's it's uh, outrageous. It's I think outrageous. She's captured you. It's outrageous. So uh, my wife, in the olden days, used to have a shotgun filled with uh, when she had it. She before I met her, she in his house. <laughs> when she was in the and comedy, she had a shotgun comedy. filled with <laughs> she salt. The, she was in the comedy business. That's why she needed a shotgun. Yeah, for those she damn had a shotgun filled with salt. What do you mean with salt? You can That's do that? one of the things you do because it makes it so you can shoot at people legally, I think, in Oakland. With salt? But she had some guy in the backyard and she pepper, she blasted this thing and hit the guy. Yeah, salt. How do you, can you, do you have to load, uh, load those yourself or how does that I work? I think so or somebody does it for you. I'm not sure. Well, I've never me. seen it for sale. Well, ask her. That's, that's interesting. I want to get me some salt. To, yeah, so, so instead of bird shot, <laughs> which you'd have in a normal shotgun shot, this is salt. And it would be just like not it's non-lethal, but it's apparently quite painful. Yeah, no, we don't. It not only creates the wound, but puts salt in the wound at the same time. Yeah, see, we don't do that here in uh, in Austin. We just you know we, we just go for for real. Hey, screw you, man. Get off my get off my turf. Blow your yeah, arm off. You're a tough guy. All of a sudden, you just moved Brr. to Texas. Yeah, I am a tough guy. <laughs> That's what we're like here. Good old boys here in Tejas. Ah, it's so nice here, John. It's so awesome. We really love Wait, it. Yeah, well, well, we'll see how what you feel like. We're we're making bets on how long you're going to be able to put up with Texas. I got to yeah. tell you. Yeah. No, there's a, we have a pool. It's really? like a dead pool. Who, the, at the, the family, you mean? Yeah. You know what? You know, you shouldn't be that way because Washington State, and in, in particular the Seattle area, is Austin's sister city. No, I'm not. It's not. Uh, it's not us or Austin or that we don't like Texas or or Austin specifically. It's your uh, never-ending uh, need to move from place to place. You like you're like a like a guy on the run. I'm a gypsy. <laughs> guy like on, the, on run. the run. Guess what? Guess what's being set up for me? A lunch uh, with Rick Perry. No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. I can't wait. 
It's going to be fantastic. Adios, mofo. <laughs> it's gonna How are you be... going to get a lunch with Rick Perry? Well, I, well this, you know, the, the No Agenda producers here, they got pull, man. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. Are they trying? Are they no? Are they Rick Perry fans, and they want to? Adios, mofo. No, I and, don't think. And they want to change your mind about the man. Could be, you know. There's like, well, you know, he is actually a nice guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure he's. A, I'm well, sure he's a guys. nice I mean, guy. George yeah. Bush is supposed to be one of the greatest guys to hang out with. Yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I think the only guy that's probably a douchebag to hang out with would be Al Gore. Well, I can mention a couple others. Did you see that, that uh, Ann Coulter said, uh, called Newt Gingrich a douchebag on uh, Morning Joe, and they bleeped her? Oh, really? Yeah, you, I mean, there's no good video of it because they had they have it on, a, I guess, a seven-second delay, and she's, you're just, they just go silent, right? But she called him a douchebag, and they uh, and they bleeped it. Like, that's some horrible thing. Wow, what a bunch of wimps. It's cable. <laughs> Thank you. It's MSNBC. No one's even watching. How can you offend anybody? <laughs> it's ridiculous. No, I did not know that. Did she make a fuss about it? Uh, I think she, she makes a fuss about this. Yeah, so well, she of might. course, she loves doing it after the fact. Like, I can't believe MSNBC bleep me. Of course, she's right. The guy's a total douchebag. Yeah, I know he is. And now that Sperman Herman is uh, going to drop out. Sperman Herman? <laughs> yeah, this is my new name. Did you dream this up, or is it on Texas Talk Show Radio? <laughs> it, uh, honestly, it's not on Texas. It's The neighbors call him that. <laughs> Sperm and Herm. My neighbors, there was a guy walking down the street <laughs> with three dogs and a goat. <laughs> I Where's love Mickey this in the camera? Oh, it was too late. <laughs> this place is great, man. Three dogs and a goat. <laughs> Let me walk the goat. <laughs> hey honey, I gotta go walk the goat. <laughs> it's beautiful, man. It is beautiful. We're very happy. So uh you can place all the bets. Can we get in on this pool so we can win it? No, because then you'll you'll in we no, that's un, like you know, it's one of those things where if the person's in the it's like it's like uh, it's like betting on somebody leaving, you know, discontinue when is he gonna do something and he he's in the bet. He's just gonna do it on that day, and it's not fair. You can't be in the bed. We, okay. You can't even know right. what the bed is. Well, can I? Can you and I like team up together and we can do something on the side so we can beat your wretched family who's apparently... Oh, and then we can send you half the money? Betting on my unhappiness. That's not a bad idea. Betting on but my I, unhappiness. I, 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 this is wrong. I, I, I've got you down for long. Oh, you're, you're long on Curry I'm and on Austin. I'm on your side. <laughs> He's long on Curry and Austin, eh? It's my. It's actually Mimi. She's just eye rolling. You know, he'll be out of there in six she, months. What do you mean? She is the bird lady from Alcatraz. What are you talking about, Mimi's? Is, oh, she should understand this. He's not gonna hate it down there. No, I, we love it, man. So far, you've only been there a week. Two, two. It's like puppy love. Two, <laughs> and they called it puppy love. In the morning, to you, John. In the morning to you, Adam Curry, and in the morning to all ships at sea and boots on the ground uh, around the world uh, listening to us on Armed Forces Radio. Really? And also, uh, <laughs> and also feet in the air. Wouldn't that be awesome if we were on Armed Forces Radio? That would yeah, be so cool. Yeah, that would be the day. Yeah. In the morning to all the human resources in the chat room, good to see you all in a quorum all lined up, ready to go. Charged as your government loves you, depleting your $9.2 million value at noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. And to kick it off, John, I figured we'd do something just a little off uh, off color. Are you familiar with Yogi Akal? Uh, it rings a bell, but uh, you, but no. Now, now th- these 
These are two YouTube videos that apparently have been up for a month or two and I and, and with like no views. And I can't believe no one had alerted me to this previously. Yogi Akal is a numerology yogi. And you know how I like the, the numerologies. And uh, he does readings and uh, talks about uh, people. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll basically give you a numerology reading based upon your birth date. Now, do you believe in any of this stuff? I, I like to play with it, but I really don't believe in any of it. So um, in order to promote his services, and I think he's $45 a pop for a simple reading, he has done the numerology of tech leaders, including uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and John C. Dvorak. Oh. And, uh, and, I, <laughs> and I heard this. And like, you know, of course, the question is, does he have your real birth date? Because, you know, I don't know, you, you could be 34 for all I know. You could be 79. So I, I don't know. Both are possibilities. Whatever's on the wiki page, I think, because it looks like he got pictures from the wiki page. And uh, would you like to hear your numer- numerological oh, yeah, I, I, reading? I'm, I'm absolutely uh, riveted here now already. <laughs> listen, listen up. Welcome to Tech Numerology. My name is... By the way, the guy has a turban and everything, a beard, a turban. And he, he looks legit, I have to say. <laughs> what do you mean looks legit? He looks like... Legit a, what? A legit yogi. He looks good. I mean, the guy's like a yogi dude. I like him. Yogi Akal. We're looking at one of the influencers in the tech industry, uh, John C. Dvorak. Now, I've just received this birthday. It's the first time I've looked at it. This, by the way, is that's always a, you know, whenever they say that, I've just received this. I've never looked at it. That's always kind of suspicious. Yes, it sounds like, yeah. So I'm going to do a quick analysis of it, and hopefully that'll be useful to John and perhaps useful to you as well for those watching. Uh, first of all, when I look at this, John, it's like looking at the Beach Boys. <laughs> this, got, this caught my attention, as you can imagine. That's the kind of energy that you have. That's the kind of person that you are. I don't know what you do in your world. I don't know what your life is like. But uh, you ought to have some of that music around. And hopefully you're in California a lot. If, if you're not surfing, you ought to be singing. It's just <laughs> one of the pleasures. I should be of- singing. Yeah. And does, is he referencing the dead Beach Boys or the ones uh, that are still alive? The dead Beach Boys. <laughs> your life, you're a communicator. You're a- or the crazy one. Was it, was it Dennis Wilson, who's completely bonkers? Brian. <laughs> your Brian, your right. voice has to be used. You have to be heard. Mm-hmm. And you I have-, have to be heard. Now, it's good. This is good. Listen up. It's really good. Yeah, this uh, is typical bull crap. The kind of impact on people that somehow makes them feel more acknowledged in their life. Mm. It's a very powerful combination of healing and good business. You have power. Now this year, 2011, is your year to plan ahead. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. This is not a year for you to be thinking about tomorrow or one year ahead. Or how you're going to feel in two or three years. But how you're going to feel in a decade, a decade and a half. (gasps) <gasps> how you'd like the world to be, because you're an influencer there. You are. In 10 years or 15 years. And make your decisions this year and next year and the year after based on that longer-term vision. This is an important process for you. Yes. Because at the beginning of your life, you were living in a little bit of a mystery. Oh. Now you're living in a place where there's a great deal of um, sense of self. Yes. You know who you are. Uh-huh. And you're going to move into a whole other stage of your life over the next 10, 15 years where you have much more power. power. Now, I'm, I'm not saying power to control, no. but you have more power. You personally, within yourself, more energy, yeah. more vitality, more influence, more impact. 
What a good place to be. Yeah. And this is your year to work. Forget vacations. Listen if someone offers you a trip, only do if it involves work. Yeah, see, this is totally you. It's like well, forget that's all vacation. I've ever done, so yeah. what's new? <laughs> if you're involved in any relationships, pay attention to the detail yes. and the diplomacy of the every relationship in your life. Exactly. But don't try to make anything permanent right now. No. You should have some fun. Fun! You should be singing a song, and you should be <laughs> surfing in California. <laughs> On your phone. On your phone. <laughs> this is tech numerology. You should be surfing uh, in California on your phone, John. <laughs> I t- I'm telling you, people who are listening to this will think it's they think it's pretty accurate. I think it's no. In fact, I think it's very accurate. I really like it. It's a lot of general stuff, which is typical. I used to. You remember that guy uh, Edwards? Who used to be crossing over and he had his TV show and all? <laughs> no, I, I, sorry. You remember? Oh, no, no. no. And you know, they, I always figured, you know, if you, if you ever listen to one of these guys do, doing uh, a, an analysis of someone else, imagine that they're doing the analysis of you and does it apply? And you'll find that 99% of the time it does. Would it's you a like? Very generalized. Um, of course. Well, you know, you say things that fortune tellers like to do. You say that you say that from your money. You say that. But the yogi also did a reading of me. Of you? Yes. As a tech influencer. (laughs) Would you uh, like to hear the numerology? reading? Yes. (laughs) Welcome to tech numerology. My name is Yogi Akal. It's clear the guy doesn't know me, by the way, because he's he's mispronouncing my name. He's like Adam Curry. You know, it's like totally wrong that's a that's a scam he does that on purpose well listen to what he says and today we're looking at one of the influencers in the industry adam curry Uh, my producer gave me his birthday i'm not familiar with this birthday it's the Uh first time i've seen it Uh Uh so i'm going to give you an immediate take on the numerology for this person this person see how you can connect to that okay connect He's looking at his look at a piece of paper, and he's he's in deep thought here. He's like, oh. there are some people who have a flair with words, uh-huh. and others who tend to be reactive to words. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you have both? <laughs> what happens when you tend to be a little reactive, but you also have a flair? Hmm. hmm. You have to be careful not to flare up. <laughs> this is a, the most important thing for Adam Curry. Correct. Because. He has the facility in his life that what he says can happen. Yeah, I have power. When I say it, it can happen. It's quite a power to have in one's life. Yes. But if you don't master it and you don't master it uh, as a a, a careful study. (laughs) Then it's a weapon of mass destruction. A careful discipline. It starts to work against you. Mm. And then you really can't believe anything that happens or what anybody says to you. So, Adam, this is a special challenge in your life. Yes. Now, everybody can relate to this because everyone has had this situation happen to them where someone doesn't tell them the truth or they're not sure about the integrity of the, what they're saying themselves. <laughs> but for Adam, there cannot be a compromise on this. No. Oh. Stop compromising. When there is uh, a life of success, yes. you cannot allow anybody to infiltrate that life. Exactly. So, Adam, this is the key to your happiness. Oh. <laughs> you got to get Although, rid of Mickey? <laughs> Stop infiltrating my life, Mickey. Go away. He gets he gets a genius thing in a minute here, which you're going to love. Uh, okay. no, happiness is something that you get to manage. I manage my. You happiness. also have an impact on other people's happiness, on their state of mind. I agree. That doesn't mean you're responsible for it. You're not, but you have an impact. impact. Not just professionally, not just personally, but on a deeper level. See, a deeper level. I have an impact uh-huh. on a deeper level. Yeah. yeah. How you think and what you say has an impact that lasts. Lasts. Yeah. 
that's quite a position to be in. Yeah. And it has to be through the written, spoken, or visualized word. In other or, words, it can be done through what radio and television. Are there? What? Well, no, listen, he, he explains it. It can be done through the internet, it can be done through spoken word, through written word, photography. Anything that has to do with the media arts is what uh-huh. works best for you. There you go. That's true. Now, here comes the kicker. I don't like to talk about past lives. It's, no! <laughs> wait, wait, wait for it. It, it. it can get misunderstood so easily. But in this case, it's worth saying. You're done. <laughs> I'm done. What does that mean? Well, you've done everything that has to be done. And the only reason you're here, the only reason, is to do it with more consciousness, more awareness. Exactly. I'm Everything you're doing, you've done before. Mm-hmm. And now you're doing it better. Better. Everyone Fast. you meet, you've known before. Remember when we met in the 1700s? Now you're doing it better. So this is your opportunity to get it right, <laughs> especially in the domain of words. <laughs> you can be so kind, but you cannot ever drop the ball on that. Mm. Uh. I imagine this year in particular, there's a lot of work on yourself. That's why I'm speaking so directly. Yes. Next year, there's no stopping you. If you're looking at new partnerships, both personally and professionally, put it off till next year because that's the time for you to start connecting in a way that will last. Hmm. This is tech new. So uh, apparently I was uh, doing top 40 radio in the Middle Ages. I'm done. Let him finish. That's the end. That's the end of it. It got cut off. No, he says, I'm Yogi Yogi Akal. That's the end. That was the end. Oh. Yeah. I like it. I think he's spot on about me. I'm done. Oh, yeah. I'm done. I've always thought you were in there during the... I thought you... you did, I always thought you did take part in the Madison administration. <laughs> As the town crier? <laughs> yeah, that's it. The town crier. Yeah, I like that. I want to be a, uh, a crier. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with that guy? He's crying. Anyway, uh, I like the yogi. I think I think he's good. What did he say about Zuckerberg? Oh, it goes on forever. He says Zuckerberg is like you. You know, you've had three incarnations, and oh. and he also did Leo. Oh, he did. What did he say about Leo? Yeah, well, go so ahead. He likes to talk. He likes to work, <laughs> on, likes to work yeah. on the Twit broadcast. <laughs> yeah, you should do something this week. Um, I'm seeing this week something. <laughs> this week. This week. This week. I'm seeing this week. <laughs> Speaking of this week, um, guess what popped up this week? What popped up this week? The Clinton Foundation IRS Form uh, 990. Oh, uh, uh, finally. Yes, it finally popped I'm up. Got your dog in it, so what did it say? Well, uh, it's very convoluted, as you can imagine. First of all, as far as I can tell, they only raised $15 million from, the, uh, f- from Haiti donations. That makes no sense. <laughs> of course it makes no sense. It was billions of dollars. And we know that they didn't even have the, the, Bush, the Bush Clinton Haiti Foundation set up. So the money was coming into their, their foundation first at the surge of it. So to say that that surge was only $15 million is bullcrap. It's, it's very difficult to read, their, um, to read these reports. It's a cash business. But here's something that, I, that, that jumped out right off the bat. Apparently, uh, on the IRS Form 990... You have to report your your uh, uh, if you have a, a total of fifteen thousand dollars for uh, raised during fundraising events. 
uh, in the entire year, and, and then you have to report any event that raises over $5,000 on Part 2 of Schedule G. And uh, so if you look at that on uh, the Clinton Foundation, they, had, they, they list two events. Event number one, Millennium. Event number two, Gala, which, of course, is, like, not helpful. It's like, uh, huh? How does that work? You know, if you Google Clinton Gala, they have a million of them. So uh, gross receipts. Maybe they consider them all a one uh, event that's just spread out. Yeah, maybe. They can probably pull that off. So here's how it works. And this is I'm happy to report this because this is what they always say or what we always say. Gross receipts in 2010. Remember, this is an organization that pulled in $135 million at these charity galas where all the douchebag one percenters show up and the elites hang out and Bono's always there. Total gross receipts, $1,618,788. Total cost, Put them at a negative three hundred eleven dollars, three hundred eleven thousand dollars, one hundred three hundred eleven thousand one hundred thirty five dollars. So they lost money on the deal. They lost money on on, on their charity deals. How wow. does that work? The nerve, <laughs> you know. And then, but that's it's it's only it's not even it's 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 literally one percent of the money that comes in is in these charity galas. It's totally it's just a party. It's just a party, and they lose money on the deal after paying for food and beverage and entertainment. Why are they paying for entertainment on a charity event? Oh, excuse me. In Hollywood, if you want, if you have a, and I know this from all the agents, if you want to get a celebrity to uh, show up at your um, at your charity event, the going rate for a top-grade celebrity is $100,000, and, uh, and, and you have to pay for their shopping spree. So they go get to go, you know, to get to buy clothes and whatever. It's huge. These 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 douchebag celebrities don't do it for free. They charge money. You mean Clooney's charging money? Possibly. I mean, I I don't know for sure in his case. I think he's got a he's got a back end deal on the on the oil fields. <laughs> he's got a back end deal points. with the agency. He's got points on the back end. But anyway, I guess the reason why this is interesting is because also this week um, they threw Wyclef Jean under the bus. Now you'll recall Wyclef Jean is uh, the the dude from the Fujis. Yeah, I guess he didn't play ball or something. No, well, we I was kind of surprised we by know this. What do you think did, the deal is? Well, it duh. Look at the coincidence. So Clinton releases his bullcrap numbers, but then we've got to distract the attention away from Haiti by throwing this poor sap under the bus, who they set up in the first place. Like, yeah, man, you can become president. It'll be great. And then Wyclef started to believe it, and he started like, you know, you know, remember he was on the jet, and he was wearing the suit and everything. Like, no, 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 no. Dude, you're supposed to just be a figurehead. You're not supposed to, like, b- believe you can do anything. Go away. So then the New York Post, of all uh, of all journalistic, uh, <laughs> of all... in. Uh, integer, integer. You'll get it. Yeah, of all places. Yeah, of all of all of the journalistic uh, publications, the New York Post comes out and says, "Yeah, the guy was uh, scrounging money off of uh, off of his charity, uh, and you know, gave like seven hundred thousand dollars to his father's firm and all this, and you know, so they they totally threw the guy under the bus." And the, the guy was an idiot. I mean, he, he didn't deserve to be president in the first place. 
But it, it comes out the same week when Clinton come, finally comes out with his uh, IRS Form 990, which I'm, I think we had a hand in that. You know, with our Clinton990.org and people sending in the IRS complaint forms. A lot of people did that. And all of a sudden, oh, there it is, six weeks late. Uh, no, and, I think you know, he probably had zero influence, but it's possible. But to distract, one thing's for sure, to distract from their numbers, they throw this guy under the bus. That's how the Clintons operate, man. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. He's lucky he didn't get shot. Yeah, well, that's actually true. So I'm looking at the New York Times. There's a picture of Hillary, and she's in Miramar. You mean uh, Lucifer? Yeah, Lucifer. Yeah. And she really needs to get back to Paris as fast as she can. Yeah, her hair, she's now resorted to the the pastel color outfit. She's wearing the blue pastel. Oh, she's a wreck. The pink pastel. Now, she needs her hair done. She needs a facial. As it were. She needs to get back to Paris. She's, she does. She's not going to get a good haircut in Miramar. I can guarantee you and that. And she was in Burma before that. And she actually, I, I tried to find a clip of it. It wasn't available. She told uh, the Burmese, she said, no, you have to be better shoppers. And she was referring to China. <laughs> when you go shopping, don't go shopping with the Chinese. <laughs> like, oh, really? She's such, such a horrible woman. So, uh, Myanmar is Burma, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was, uh, it, it is, what am I thinking of? Oh, yeah, you're right. It's the new name, right? Yeah, well, yeah, they've changed the name to, to avoid uh, the bad publicity. Yeah. We should change our name here in the United States. Something cool. Uh, I think it's still a cool name. So, um... There was a bunch of weird stuff that happened this week, I have to say. Mm. And there's a couple of things going on. There's the uh, SOPA and Protect IP stuff trying to go through Congress, which is just total corruption. I got the commercials from the NCPC announcement. The National Council uh, um, Prevent- National Crime Prevention Council. Uh, Play it. I haven't heard <clears throat> it. Well, so they had a big, uh, a big announcement with a whole bunch of DBs. And Holder was there. And then, you know, and they roll out their campaign. And all the campaign has, you know, they, they so believe in the trademark of McGruff, the crime dog. He's still in the campaign. You're kidding. No. This thing should be in public domain by now. He's owned by Disney. They, they actually had this whole thing like, you know, uh, McGruff really uh, works well in the Target demo. <laughs> what Target demo, <laughs> dog? Thieves, I guess. I don't know. Thieves. So they start off and they do the, and the they did not con, uh, contact the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group because we definitely would have told them this is a bad idea. The first, so they have a TV spot, which was made by MTV, which I can't play because it's too visual. But the whole idea uh, is when you buy counterfeit, you are killing people because, <laughs> yeah, this is it. Counterfeiting kills. And the, it, everything is so wrong about their campaign. So the first radio spot, they have three of them, actually four, is um, Eric Holder himself. 
They think this is a good idea, that Eric Holder is going to grab the attention of people and stop them from buying fake Gucci bags. The next is a radio public service ad from Attorney General Eric Holder called You Can Help. In it, the Attorney General speaks to Americans about how street gangs and organized criminal enterprises are profiting from selling a range of counterfeit products to fund drug trafficking and other criminal activities. (laughs) So let's uh, analyze this spot, shall we? Let's let's test its effectiveness. You can help. This is Attorney General Eric Holder. Click. (laughs) I'm, I'm gone. I'm already off to the next station. We are working hard to protect our communities by reducing gang violence and organized crime. And there is an important and simple way that you can help. You. Some street gangs and organized crime groups are selling counterfeit products such as fake watches, DVDs, and purses as an easy way to make money. And they use that money to fund other crimes like trafficking in drugs and guns. When you buy knockoffs on the street. Notice he says trafficking in guns. Notice. Notice. Or online. Although it may not be obvious, you could be supporting gangs, putting oh, money wow. into their pockets, their pockets. And helping them to engage in other illegal activities that put our communities at risk. We're asking all Americans, please don't buy fakes. <laughs> the next time you think about buying listen to the tag counterfeit products, consider the source. source. Remember, counterfeits hurt, but hurt. you have the power to stop them. To learn more, go to www.ncpc.org forward slash get real. That's ncpc.org slash get real. How about that uh, domain name, huh? How about that call to action URL? Go to ncpc.org slash get real. How stupid is that? I mean, it, 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 we could have we we could even offer one of our domain names to these Probably guys. We have at least two or three that are better this than that. This is so stupid. A message from the National Crime Prevention Council and the Bureau of Justice Assistance, U.S. Department of Justice. <clears throat> Bullshit. Thank you, thank you. Now let's listen. Now they no, so we need to do something for the for the kids. You know, we got to direct our attention. We got to get the kids involved. How do we do that? Thank you, Attorney General Holder, for adding your credible voice. <laughs> Incredible voice. It's so credible. Yeah, you're smuggling guns across the border to have people killed. So credible. Voice and important message to this effort. The next radio ad called Everyday People makes the same point, but with a different messenger. This sounds like the woman that used to be head of uh, NPR, Schiller. No, she's not. It's uh, it's a little troll woman. No, she's not. In this spot, we hear from a former gang member who (laughs) turned his life around and is now a pastor. Now, notice that in the spot, he never identifies himself. He never says, I'm now a pastor, which is... It's so stupid. They're so they're so idiotic. They think this is great because they know the story, but the spot doesn't represent it at all. He oh, knows that's dumb. It's totally dumb. Firsthand how gangs use profits from selling counterfeit DVDs or other IP products as a funding. Uh, it's a new new meme. IP products, by the way, which uh, has a multiple meanings. IP products could also be Internet Protocol products. Very interesting source for their other activities. Other activities. Being a gang leader landed me in prison. But back in the day, you and me probably did business together. Business. So it, it, can we get a more black guy to do business? We did business together. How? Uh. If you ever bought any counterfeit merchandise on the street, you know a fake purse, a bootleg DVD, a pair of sunglasses, there's a good chance you would put the money straight into my pocket. Because most times, it's gangs who illegally supply the knockoffs to street vendors. Now, that sounds like bull crap. <laughs> 
I mean, this is so bogus. Have you ever been to uh, Canal Street in the day? Yes, of course, of course. Stuff was being shipped in straight from China in big cargo, and it went right to the right to the right to the street. Yeah, how did it get into the country? What they're in boats in covert boats in the middle of the night? No, it's all these 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 are actually just backdoor products from these companies. And by the way, we're being set up by the entire advertising industry to want this crap that we can't afford. So it's normal. And by the way, this uh, this whole thing. Thing. I should mention this because I uh, actually have a collection of counterfeit watches. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> You're I killing know, I people. But my or I was, you know, at the point where I was, I would actually go down to Canal Street, but I would look for counterfeit watches that don't exist. Right. Exactly. In fact, I have a, I have a, a watch. I still use it. It's a copy of a Movado mm-hmm. with the old uh, museum style watch, which is very plain. It's, it's got a plain face and just some hands. Yeah. But instead of being gold on black, it is silver on silver. They have never made a watch like this. So it's not really counterfeit. No, it's not. It's well, except it says Movado on no. it, so I guess that's De- kind of counterfeit. Detail. But you're killing but people. Point, but the point is, it's actually one of the prettiest watches I own, and it would and it doesn't exist in in the wild as a as an actual Movado. So that was so so that's actually contributing to the to the gangs. overall aesthetics of the country. You you're contributing to gangs. You are killing people, my friend. So anyway, at the I would notice this when I was used to go to New York a lot that. The month beginning around fifteenth uh, of around uh, Thanksgiving, there would be a crackdown on Canal Street, and you couldn't get anything for about a month and a half anywhere. You'd have to yeah. really pry to get it. This is the new version of that. They're basically clamping down. They do this for the at the last, you know, just before Christmas. Make a big deal. Get everyone to stop uh, buying these. Of course, these thank you. The timing is not coincidental. Thank and you. And then they drop the whole thing in February. So, but listen to the sound effect that they bring in just to show you that you are actually responsible for killing people, John C. Devore with your fake watches. Get real, my friend. Those counterfeit products come from gangs and their overseas connections and are bought by everyday people just like you. You. So if you keep buying fakes, these gangs are going to keep on making easy money. Money they use for other activities. In other words, they're getting a lot of bang for their buck. (laughs) The next time... Do they think this is a good idea? These these commercials aren't very good. They're not effective. Well, they have. So then we had to reach the white girls because now we got the hood kids, right? Now we got to reach the... Who are going to stop buying anything of except course for the not. fact that their stuff won't be on the street during this era. <laughs> well, listen to how they think they're the, the right way is to approach white girls who shop at, uh, at the mall. <laughs> My sister Katie and I love to shop. Well, I'm a valley girl. Mostly window shop. She means we're thorough. She means we're bargain hunters. Exactly. But my sister Kelly showed me an article that made me change a really bad habit. Just wanting us to do what's right. You see, at one time, I just couldn't stay away from those bargain knockoffs. You know, the handbags and scarves sold on the street. Uh, counterfeit merchandise. Ooh. Ooh. You make it sound so illegal. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm horny. Is stealing. Ouch. I wouldn't steal. I didn't realize that this sort of stealing can lead to more Americans losing their jobs. So no more buying fakes and knockoffs, right? Right. Just honest bargain hunting. Now you're talking. How does that work? It's Americans losing. You mean Chinese, maybe, but Americans the, uh, losing the their jobs? The asshole from the Chamber of Commerce that came on uh, PBS or NPR, I'm sorry, NewsHour, 
Uh, and I have some clips that I, I'll bring on the Sunday show because it's just like they need to be dissected too much. Yeah. But but anyway, this jerk comes on. And he And his whole pitch, it was almost like a talking points. Yeah. Which is costing us jobs. Americans are losing jobs. And it's like because of these counterfeits. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Rolexes aren't made by Americans. No, no. All these, all these things are made in China. Louis Vuitton is not no. made by Americans. Who is no. he kidding with this crap? It's annoying. It's very, it's very, very annoying. annoying. And then they have these bogus numbers. Oh, $3 trillion is lost to the American economy because of these. I, these and, and if you really boil it down, this is all bull crap. This entire thing, and this is part of the Protect IP law and SOPA, which are these two onerous laws they want to put into effect where they can just shut down websites at the drop of a hat. They don't need, though. They already do that. They don't need these laws. I know, but now they're going to, they can, they, what this will do, it'll give them even more power, so they'll be shutting and, down And by the way, websites. let's just be correct. They're not, they say they're shutting down websites, but they're not. All they're doing is breaking DNS. They're not right. shutting breaking down the DNS, actual websites. Which is, of course, the way the Chinese would do it. Uh, yeah. you know, we're <laughs> yeah. so proud of our, our internet uh, uh freedoms. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, the whole thing is really about, still, I don't care what anybody thinks. This is about the RIAA and the MPAA uh, doing anything they can to shut down uh, Yes. And why is that? And why is that? With Louis Vuitton or counterfeit Rolexes or any of this other stuff. It's just a meme and and it's bogus. And the reason why is they need the media in their pocket because we've got an election coming up and you got to play friendly to the media. That's the whole way it works. This, I mean, Fox runs Fox Studios and Fox News and Fox Television and uh, American Idol and uh, X Factor and all of this stuff. It's really important. That's why they're doing it. Now, we, on the other hand, uh, don't uh, have to suck up to uh, the media. We should, though. I mean, we, we should certainly be consulting these guys on making better spots. I mean, crikey, we could do better than that. Oh, yeah. No, that's pretty bad stuff. I mean, it's, unless they're just... The, the other thing is, why would they hire consultants when they could just throw this crap out? Because it doesn't mean anything. It's just bulk. There's no reason. This is just a throwaway. Yeah. Just to, it's just to, to wave your arms and scream that you're doing something and yeah. making everybody happy. Yeah, and everyone's happy, and it's all groovy, and we all go to the Christmas party and get drunk. We, on the other hand, uh, only have people who donate drunk. Yeah, well, we didn't get too many drunks this week, oh. but uh, but let's let's thank a few of them. Uh, our executive producers for this show, uh, beginning with our <coughs> one, ex- one executive producer, Michael Henry, who from Snellville, Georgia, who uh, gave us seven hundred dollars. Wow, that's uh, awesome! Thank you. Finally, finishes off his knighthood in the morning. Everybody, talk of my favorite demon drink from Gitmo Nation Haggis Lafroig uh, moved me. Moved me to move up my next donation. Wait a minute. This is a clue. Yes, we should talk, <laughs> we should talk about more Yeah, often. We're, we're crazy. What are we talking about? The uh, news. Yeah, let's just talk about no news, booze. just booze. <laughs> no news. Wait a minute. Oh, perfect. No agenda show. No news, just booze with Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. I also picked up the gold Johnny Walker from a tasting of seven expressions of the brand. Thanks for all the work you do to make the best, best podcast, podcast in the universe. universe. He says world, but he means I know universe. I made a mistake. Yeah. Austin, we have three associate executive producers all giving $200. Austin Voss in Calgary, Alberta, and he needs a spoonful of karma. Yeah, well, let me hand out some karma for this. A nice little spoonful for you, my friend. You've got karma. A spoonful of karma helps the medicine go down.
Bill Rudder in San Jose, California, and James Brewis, Sir James Brewis to you, in uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. Hey, home uh, Adam Obama. John just read the newly released Sherlock Holmes novel, Great Read, highly recommended, the audiobooks narrated by Sir Derek wait Jacoby. Minute. Wait a minute, a new Sherlock Holmes novel? I guess. Oh. Interesting that the author, the new author is uh, Anthony Horowitz. You know, it's a, it's a public domain character. I could write a Sherlock Holmes novel. May uh, well be a listener as the plot re- revolves around one of Adam's second half of the show theories on a tale that, according to the opening chapter, has been too shocking to reveal until now. <laughs> now I have to read it. And, of course, he doesn't do give us a... Uh, we should have a, a spoiler. A spoiler. Yeah. But he didn't give us a spoiler. We want spoilers. Yes. What is up with that? And without the alert. Just the spoilers. Fine. <laughs> just, while we're reading it, we just go like, oh, crap. We just spoiled it. So I want to thank uh, all four of those gentlemen for uh, aiding us in this particular show. I want to remind people to go to noagendashow.com, dvorak.org slash na, channeldvorak.com slash na, and noagendanation.com where you can click on the donation button and uh, give us uh, help us stay uh, on track to continue this show and the five hours a week that we produce specifically for the people out there who are looking for something different. Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. So speaking of that, um, a little, there's a, a, a PR mention. Um, you know, the, are you familiar with the Joe Rogan show, the podcast, Joe Rogan's yeah, podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we have a big crossover in audience, apparently. Uh, a lot of people, I think, uh, so he talks a lot about the same stuff we talk, we talk about without the, except with, the, instead of assassinating the media, I think he smokes marijuana. Okay. And, and drinks on the show, which is a good. Well, that's, there's, a, there's an advantage to that. But what he does, I mean, the, the real crossover is you're basically listening to him and some other, another, like a guest or a couple guys just talking for two and a half hours. It's exactly what we do. And I think people really enjoy that. So uh, he made it. So I think a lot of people were tweeting, Adam, you should go on the Joe Rogan show. And then at the end of his last uh, show, he said, oh, we're going to have Adam Curry on. So. Uh, we haven't actually connected um, personally, but I'm looking forward to it because I think that'll be yeah. fun. And um, he's a big show it could help us, and maybe we could throw him, toss him a couple of uh, listeners yeah. as well. well. Just keep all the put, put a list of memes in front of you. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be good. And I did want to uh, tell you uh, about your influence, as you know. The yogi has said that you have a lot of power. Oh yeah. So uh, our landlord Trey Trey was over the other day because. Uh, the rocker switch on the electric stove, there's a rocker switch for the downdraft exhaust uh, is broken. And for the convection oven? No, no, no. We have a, an electric stove. which I, Yeah, I, but you still have an, a convection. Does it have a convection function or no? On the stove? Where, where else would they show up? No, in an oven. Oh, you're talking about on the, on the burners? Yeah, the burners, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the oven, sorry. No, no, I said stove, not oven. I'm not paying attention. Thank you. You will when I tell you the story. Okay. So uh, now Trey, uh, he's a first-time landlord, and uh, so he likes to come over with his toolkit. Long-time listener. Well, he is. He comes over with his toolkit to fix stuff, and you know he's blowing fuses. It's <laughs> like sparks coming out of the thing. It's very entertaining, and I'm just sitting there with a flashlight, like oh, that's cool. All right, Trey. And then he's like, trying to fix this rocker switch, and and you know what he says? Man, this rocker switch is bogative. <laughs> <laughs> he said that on purpose. He said it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, bogative's a damn good word. It is a damn good word. I think word. it could catch on. Yeah, well, we're working on it. 
Anyway, thank you very much to our executive producer and, and associate executive producers for checking in today and helping us out. It is so incredibly important for keeping this podcast the best one in the universe on the air. And, of course, we have a formula that can go out and propagate. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Shut up, slave. So uh, there was a very funny thing that happened on uh, NBC. <laughs> you, did you get this? witness it? Amateur Hour on NBC Part 1? No, I did, I did not. Let's see what this is about. Well, perhaps not something special oh. <laughs> anymore. Again, we have an announcement going on here in the studio. Tom Costello, we should advise our viewers there's no danger to us. We'd love to make this stop. Yeah, I saw a uh, I saw CNN I think making fun of it. <laughs> yeah, so this the, part too because you think they go to a commercial. You're in a bit studio. You're you are a major network. You go to commercial in a situation like this, right? Yeah, well, sure. Don't you? And then they fix it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, play part two. Central on NBC. As we continue to deal with a fire alarm that is stuck, we press on nonetheless with tonight's broadcast, and that means we're back with the latest installment in our series of reports, The War Next Door. They should just let the guy burn. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, what kind of an operation are they running there? <laughs> Mickey Mouse. That's funny. I mean, I've seen, you can, there's an excuse that they, you know, they're doing the newscast and then there's an earthquake. You see that once in a while, and the, the set's shaking. You know, there's nothing you can do about that, but this is dumb. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So I, I didn't. I, I saw a new uh, Dvorak Horowitz uh, unplugged came out, and and it is definitely the bed the best podcast in Florida. And uh, I so I don't know if you talked about this, but Bloomberg News came out with uh, an incredible report as they uh, documented that the Federal Reserve had essentially uh, lent. Seven points, more than seven point seven trillion dollars to banks that they did not disclose. I don't think it was that much. I think it was one point seven. No, it's seven point. I think it's actually seven point eight trillion dollars. Yes, it's seven trillion dollars. And uh, well, I saw the guy discussing it on one of the shows with the Bloomberg reporter, and it was it was very entertaining. Well, so the implication here is that uh, the Federal Reserve essentially just, you know... Mailed out the world. Yeah, made up some numbers and said, yeah, here, here you go, It'll just give you bank... The banks made money on that, of course. But everyone else, like, uh, you know, stupid slaves, that just like, screw you, we're going to take away your house and everything. And Dennis Kucinich, uh, our other uh, favorite wacky in, uh, in the house, who, of course, is the, uh, the Democratic uh, Ron Paul... <laughs> he said something very entertaining on C-SPAN, which I was watching. Well, Congress is in a deadlock over tax and spending cuts. We learned the Fed secretly gave Wall Street banks over $7.7 trillion. Where did the Fed get that $7.7 trillion? They created most of it from nothing. Well, our government's a massive debt. The Fed picked winners and losers and secretly held big banks tally record profits. Remember the great debate we had here over $700 billion in TARP funds? There was no debate over the $7.7 .7 the Fed gave the banks. Did Congress have a clue? 
There's another game going on way over our heads, and our constituents are struggling. Well, the banks, with the help of the Fed, have captured control of our government. Now the rating services are threatening us. If we don't come up with a deal, they'll downgrade U.S. debt. Could the threat to our national sovereignty be any clearer? It's time for Congress to listen to the wisdom of the founders, reclaim its constitutional primacy over monetary policy. There is a way. It's called the Need Act. The Fed takes our freedom and gives it to the banks. Let's take our freedom back from the Fed. <laughs> and of course, um, his buddy there in Congress, Ron Paul, um, he is leading the Finance Committee, so he could actually call for an investigation. <laughs> could you please tell someone we're doing the best podcast in the universe? Some, some sales call from some toll-free you know, number. I hate, you know, I paid an extra three bucks to Time Warner Cable to have our number not listed in the database. You have to pay for that privilege. Yeah. For the first week, I've got nothing but, hello, this is ADT Home Security, calling over and over again. <laughs> they sold my name, bastards. <laughs> so I hate well, that's not in the directory, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they didn't say they wouldn't sell my name. That's true. Anyway. That's uh, another five bucks. So what I like uh, what Kucinich is saying here is he sa- he's very astute. He says, there's another game going on over our heads. Yeah, duh. Duh. And uh, I was looking. You know, do you ever read Zero Hedge? No, I never. I've been meaning to. It's actually quite good. Um, they picked up on a story from Forbes. Now, what happened is the central banks came out a day before yesterday and said, uh, we got a great idea. Of course, run uh, Timmy Geithner set all this up. And the idea was they're going to lower the the interest rate that banks have to pay if they um, borrow money in a swap. And, of course, this is all in, you know, intended to confuse you because the minute people hear swap, they're like, oh, whatever, uh, let's, uh, let's go shop. Swap, shop, what would you say? Um, in other words, the, uh, the central banks, including the Federal Reserve, our Federal Reserve, our money, the guys who are just handing out money left and right, are saying, you know what, um, come... Uh, give us a piece of paper that says you have this many euro and we'll give you a piece of paper that says uh, that equals this many dollars and then you pay half a percent interest for doing that. And usually these are short term, like overnight and stuff. Uh, But what Zero Hedge concluded and that they picked it up from Forbes is that this was done because it appeared that a big European bank got close to failure and they had to do something really quickly. And then, of course, we got the big Santa rally, as it's known, uh, yesterday. And everything popped up. And now everything's all great. And it's all groovy. And we have nothing to worry about. But I think this is the this is the final. This is it, man. We're close. We're very, very close. Well, actually, if you listen to our the Dvorak Horowitz podcast, which you'll run probably after this show or next. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Gitmo Slave will put it on the stream, of course. We... Uh it's it's really grim. It's in fact, if you listen to Ron Paul uh, on the Tuesday debates, uh, I've got a couple of clips that are it just kind of summarizes it. You have uh, I have two clips. One is Paul followed by Romney, which is where Paul goes, and this is the second half of Paul's little complaining. And then Romney, of course, is an idiot, and he just goes and throws <laughs> it back into the political arena and blames everything on Obama for some reason. But play Paul followed by Romney. But this whole idea of, of talking about the endless wars and the endless foreign aid, it seems like 
Nobody cares about the budget. I mean, we, we're in big trouble, and, and, and nobody wants to cut anything. So if you're going to keep sending foreign aid overseas and these endless wars that you don't have to declare and, and go into Libya without even consulting with the Congress, uh, the biggest threat... The biggest threat to our national security is our financial condition. And this is just aggravating it. Yeah. Governor, Governor Romney. Congressman Paul, what they're doing is cutting a trillion dollars out of the defense budget. They're cutting a trillion dollars out of the defense budget, which just happens to equal the trillion dollars they're putting into Obamacare. And so what you have is a president that has a priority of spending us into bankruptcy, but he's not just spending us into bankruptcy. He's spending the money foolishly. What an idiot. The guy's an idiot. So so he goes on and on and on. And then uh, and then uh, luckily they let for some reason, CNN, I guess they took the clue and they let Ron Paul actually speak. So play the second clip, which is Paul snaps after this will be this is the end of Romney's rant about how the military is not get not getting enough money. That's the best way to save money, not the military. But but, hold on one second, because Ron Paul wants to respond to that point. Well, they're not cutting anything out of anything. All this talk is just talk. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> they're cutting, they're nibbling, they're nibbling away at baseline budgeting. It's automatic increases. There's nothing cut against the military and the people on the hill are near Hilly hysterical because they're not going, the budget isn't going up as rapidly as they wanted to. It's a road to disaster. We better wake up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're nibbling. Nobody's paying any attention to no. this. No, of course not. They, they, and the they, fact of the... the whoops, I didn't say it. I didn't ah, I'm sorry. Ah, ah, it doesn't count. Yeah, it does. Oh, boy. <laughs> now I've... <laughs> so, uh, Ron Paul's the only guy making this point and the one thing that people have to look at when they keep moaning and groaning about the military is go look at the military spending in 1990 2000 2000 and then look at it year by year when has it ever gone down never recent well it had yeah after world war ii it went down but for some reason it just started going up and now once uh I think Clinton kind of put a stopped it from continuing to grow at a high rate, but now it's just it's massive, and they and they've even said that they can't even audit the the they can't audit the Pentagon. Yeah, no, this is another thing. I mean, they want to audit the Fed; they can't even audit the military. They're just throwing money away. Well, we've been it's, we've been tracking that, and we and why anybody would be defending this is beyond me. Well, the joint there's a brand new uh, joint chief of the joint chief of staffs. Uh, you know the military dudes. Um, he's been there for like two months, I think. And he came out and, you know, everyone hates the Obama administration now, including the Democrats. Everyone wants this guy and, and all his cronies and that slumlord, Chicago slumlord, Valerie Jarrett. They want them all out. And he's even started I mean, for the joint chief to say, you know, well, this is not OK. We can't have this uh, spending cut. This is not good. You know, for him to say it, that's a big deal. You know, you're supposed to be like uh, kind of together, particularly when you're. You know, he, Obama's his boss. He's the commander in chief. And this guy, you know, he's come out saying, hmm, this is not really so good. And then, of course, the joke of it all is, is that it's just not going up as much as it already is supposed to go up automatically. And that's what yeah, Ron and Paul when people saying. talk about cuts, they're not talking about actual cuts. They're talking about cuts in growth. Yeah. <laughs> so you got like a high, say you're spending a trillion dollars and now you want to spend one point one trillion. And it comes, oh, we're going to cut five hundred billion dollars. 
from the growth, yeah. not from the baseline stuff. I mean, the and it's over it's still ten a trillion it's a, plus, and it's over ten years. It's like whoop and it's over two, right? And it's over ten years. It's up to two trillion by then, and you've cut what half a trillion? It's yeah. ridiculous. Whoop de do. So, so I think. We're, and why doesn't the media call people out on this? And when they talk about cuts, they're not talking about real cuts. They're talking about cuts in the growth. They don't care. Apparently, I guess nobody does. So, um, uh, Haiku Herman was uh, in Washington along with uh, Barroso. And- oh, and by the way, stop. Why do we need gro- continued growth in these in these on these budgets? Gross is what it's called. Gross. Why do we need continued gross? <laughs> so we can be them bad mfs that we are, man. So we can continue we to go to, kill we get people. The budget is big enough. No, apparently not. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. Anyway. Haiku Herman's more entertaining than yeah, I. Oh, today. he's very entertaining. You know, Haiku Herman has his own website, and uh, they put his videos up, which it, it's like it saves me so much work. I'm so appreciative of it. But you know, when you look at his web page, he's like all slick looking, you know, and they have all these cool videos. And uh, so they, there's two, and these are, and they're also good because they're short. They're like 20 seconds. And uh, so he's in uh, Washington. Now, of course, December 9th is uh, the big day when uh, they're going to announce whatever's going to happen and how they're going to save the universe over there in uh, in Euroland, which, of course, will not help. And, you know, this this latest central bank collusion, the world bankers essentially colluding against us because the way I see it is uh, the Federal Reserve created money. That's that we eventually have to pay for. They lent it out to other countries so that uh, they can pay back uh, American bankers. I mean, am, am I stupid or what? They just like just it's taking our money and giving it to bankers. Is that not correct? That's what it looks like. Okay, so uh, here's Haiku Herman uh, telling us about the actual situation. And notice he always uses we. We. He's got a mouse in his pocket. We. We also consider the situation as grave and even as dangerous. Grave and dangerous. Grave. Grave, grave and dangerous. And we explained. Uh, we explained. We explained. We explained. Uh, what we already have done and what we intend to do. Uh, I told them uh, in broad lines what I intend to propose at the European Council meeting of the 8th and the 9th of December. Nice. Nice. The eighth and the ninth of Did December. Did he say in bread lines? Yes, in bread lines. <laughs> That's what, let me he just, went to bread lines wait a minute. Explained? Let me listen to the bread lines. Uh, what we already have done and what we intend to do, uh, I told them uh, in it's broad lines. No, here uh, it is. I oh, told there it is. them uh, in back broad lines. Shut up! To so do. on, say it again. Uh, I told them uh, in broad lines. No, broad lines. Broad lines. Bread lines. The Europeans will, uh, it's grave and dangerous, they will all be in bread lines. And then, of course, he has to address the slaves of Europe. And uh, so here he is, and uh, it's nothing more fun than making, there's nothing more entertaining than making fun of someone's pronunciation. Uh, And here he is. (laughs) Of course. It's great. They would refuse to do that nowadays on mainstream media. No, of course not. Uh, here he is saying, uh, you know, basically we have to have a fiscal union, which means you will have to pay your taxes to the federal state of Euroland. Uh, and uh, there's some fun to be had in his pronunciation. We need a significant step forward towards a real economic union commensurate with our monetary union. We need to offer our citizens and the investors <laughs> direction for the future that brings back confidence. We have to show that the euro 
is an irreversible project. Yes. An irreversible project. And irreversible project. Het is een irreversible project. Jean, een irreversible project. An irreversible project. Now, I'll give you a funnier one. Who was visiting President Obama this week besides Haiku Herman and Barroso? It know. was the Prime Minister of Gitmo Nation Lowlands, uh, Mr. Rutte. Hmm. Why? Just to hang out, it's his turn. It was on the schedule, you know, because he gets a boner from it, and I can prove it. So, um, you can first prove of all, it? yeah, I can prove it. Mickey, okay. Mickey knows this guy, Ms. Mickey. And she says he's a total empty suit. And she that doesn't sound that empty. No, he's a total empty suit. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> Very good. Now she won't say it, but uh, you know he, he's so he's um, he's gay, which is it's fine with that. But you know he likes going to the fashion shows and hooting and hollering about the dresses and stuff. It's just, it's just like he's an empty suit. Douchebag. And, uh, but of course, uh, when you visit our president, what does our president always say? Would you like to come up to the Lincoln bedroom? <laughs> hello, everybody. First, he says, hello, everybody. <laughs> Whenever the president goes into his, hello, everybody, you know it's, not, it's fake. Hello, everybody. Uh, it is wonderful to welcome Prime Minister Ruta uh, and his delegation to the White House. Uh, Part of the reason we want to make this meeting happen is because uh, we have uh, no stronger ally than uh, the Netherlands. <laughs> There it is. He's our, this is about everybody. <laughs> no stronger ally is our bestest buddy. We're the best. We're BFFs, BFFs forever. And then it's Rutte's time to talk. And he first he makes a huge fupa, as you know, that's the way you pronounce it these days, fupa. And he does, instead of saying President Obama or the president, he says Barack Obama, which and the pre, you can see President Obama just looking at him going like, you dick, have a little respect. And then he rolls it out. So, Mr. Prime Minister. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's, I'm glad to be here and to meet once again with you, Barack Obama. Uh, <laughs> How wrong is that? To meet with you yeah. again, Barack Obama? Is that wrong or is that wrong? I don't know. It sounds funny, though. Here and to meet once again with you, Barack Obama. Uh, and I hope very much to welcome you to the Netherlands. That would be a great honor and a great opportunity. Uh, the relationship uh, between our countries is very strong. It goes back a long time. Um, and um, uh, I came to the United States uh, basically to discuss three issues. What could those three issues be, John? Well, I'm, I'm pins and needles trying to waiting to find out. Jobs. Jobs and jobs. Oh, jobs. Brother. And this guy jobs. With the Check the calendar, dude. <laughs> jobs, jobs, and jobs. Steve Jobs, Peter Jobs, and Enrique Jobs. Jobs. Just jobs. Idiot. I've got to ridicule that guy. But Michelle Obama, and then I'm done. She has a video on WhiteHouse.gov. Uh, And now, uh, so she's presenting the, uh, this is her Jackie O moment, where she presents the uh, Christmas decorations for the White House. And there's a whole bunch of kids there. Interestingly enough, uh, Sasha and uh, Shaniqua aren't there. What's her name again? Malika. Malika? Malika or something like that. Sasha and Malika aren't there, which makes no sense because, you know, this is the moment it should be the family. You know. But then 
there's like some kid, I guess, that you can't see it because they don't cut away. I think the kid is trying to climb up on the stage. And you tell me if this sounds like a friendly woman. How's everyone doing? Yeah. You excited? Yeah. You ready for Christmas? Yeah. 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 Oh, oh. <laughs> where are Malia and Sasha? Yeah, where are Malia and Sasha? Yeah, where are they? Yeah, where are they? <laughs> what else do they got to do? Well, here it comes. <laughs> well, it's great to have you all here and, and, and your families as well. Good afternoon, everyone, and, and welcome to the White House as we kick off the holiday season. Uh, this is oh yes here's a little one you come on up come on up <laughs> I'm sorry but that's it. Like, come on up come on up it's like the witch man like come on up here's a little one come on up Hello, everyone and, and welcome <sighs> to the White House come on up we kick off listen the holiday this. season it's frightening me uh, this that's is right. oh listen 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 yes here's a little one you yes we're gonna eat you you little one come on up. Come on up. Come on up. <laughs> that's scary. Come on, man. That's frightening. Oh, brother. That's not a nice mother. You're over the top on this. <laughs> it's <just> the style. <laughs> Come on. Style. That's no style. Come on up. Come here, you little one. She's like the woman in the gingerbread house. Yeah, my pretty. Come on up. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just struck me as odd. Well, yeah, I can see it did. So, uh, and a couple of clips here that are kind of interesting. You know, if, uh, there's a big there's a big to do about this is the week that Lipitor goes off patent. Yeah, that's right. Have we found you know what they did? You know what they did with with Lipitor last year, Pfizer? Uh, well, didn't they first? They made an Alzheimer drug. No, no, I'm telling you what they did money wise. Oh, uh, let me guess. I'm going to say eight billion dollars. Ten. Oh. Which and the the entire entertainment no the entire music industry is four. Yeah, I know it's amazing. <laughs> and I know four yeah. four billion four billion versus billion, ten, ten billion, billion. one pill. Right. So there so there was a long exposition on this. It was a real big pr- presentation on the uh, NPR. I'm sorry, not NPR, but uh, NewsHour. Uh, PBS. And it, it was, it, you know, unfortunately, when I watch the NewsHour, when they actually need to ask a lot of questions, they got somebody who's a stooge, they never really grill him. But when you get some guy who's like a critic and who wants to talk, they, they let them go, too. So this guy had some good stuff to say. But they it finally evolved into uh, one, of the, one of the female hosts asking uh, this, this stooge, uh, shill. No, he's the opposite. This he's the uh, um, book writer, who about what is Pfizer trying to do, pulling a fast one to keep this thing alive as long as they can, even though now it's off patent. And there's two things that came out of this. And the first one is if you listen to the kinds of stunts they're pulling, this is only works because of the the healthcare industry being basically corrupt because it's now dominated by insurance companies. But play Pfizer pulling a fast one. Now Pfizer though is fighting back against generic competitors. Yes, they are. It's really kind of a like trying to hold back the tide because uh, in in six months because of a variety of legal reasons, there will be many generic manufacturers, and at that point, Pfizer can't keep fighting them all back. I think what it's trying to do is just uh, preserve whatever franchise it can in the waning months of its uh, availability uh, on the market. And uh, frankly, I'd rather that all of that enormous creativity that they're showing in ways of dealing with this legally and through deals and economically were being spent on developing new products rather than trying to figure out 
other ways to get people not to use the generic. But explain what they're trying to do. It's quite a novel well, approach. The, it involves arranging deals with prescription benefit management companies yeah. to not make the generic available. It involves <laughs> making coupons available to patients to bring down the copay to get them to stay on Lipitor as opposed to the generic. It involves a, a variety of, of kind of side deals with um, with insurers, with uh, druggists, with any anybody who's a player to try to desperately hang on to a couple more months of Lipitor use. Now. Is there not a debate about whether generics are, okay, quote, stop, as stop good? It, or- stop it. So uh, I got this another clip. I, I, for some reason, I didn't clip it right. That, this guy's a professor, I believe. He's at he's John Hopkins or Yale Medical or someplace like that. He's a, uh, And he's been following this for a while. Right. And the thing that kind of got me was the question that she began to ask there, which I do have on another clip called Generic Drug Rant, where she actually – and she doesn't really – She's not too reticent after he kind of scolds her for even asking the question. But this, but I, I wanted to run this clip because I think this is actually a clip that people need to listen to because it really summarizes the problem with generic drugs. And the problem is that they're just exactly the same <laughs> without, and there's without, no evidence to the contrary. The and this label. guy makes it very clear. But there's still there's a lot of propaganda and he points this out that generic drugs aren't as good or we make it a little better because we had the original and blah, 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 but play a generic drug rant. Is there not a debate about whether generics are, quote, as good or at least as reliably good as the brand name manufacturer? Or do you consider that a settled point? It's not subtle, and it should not be a debate, and it should not have been a debate for decades. Generics are every bit as good as the brand-name drugs. There's a lot of disinformation that gets spewed out there. It is not scientifically accurate information. All the data we have is that generics are every bit as good as the brand-name products. They're held to the same high standards by FDA. They contain the exact same molecules in the exact same strength. And I really wish that that old canard about generics don't work as well could be put to bed because it hasn't been true and it isn't true. Yeah, it's just to rip us off. Yeah, it's just to rip us off. Everything seems to be designed to rip us off. To rip us off. You know, I when my first company, I had a, uh, a pharmaceutical, um, Janssen. Is that, is that it, Janssen? I don't know. Janssen? I never heard I of it, Jan- maybe I did. Yeah, maybe I'm mispronouncing I'll look, I'll check the book of knowledge. I thought it was uh, Janssen. And, uh, you know, we would build a website or some crap for him, whatever, an $18 million website back in the day. And um, we, uh, we went to their headquarters, which I think is in Colorado, and uh, I'm like, you know, this will be cool. It'll be high tech. It's like it's like an oil factory. Yeah, Janssen Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, it's like an oil factory. They got nothing but big vats of goop. They were established in Belgium in 1953. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's it's you're just like, wow. It's, yeah, no, it's a, it is like a refinery because it's and it's, a lot of this is. For, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't a lot of this made with like petrochemicals? Yeah, some of it. Sure. Yeah, it's just making oil. They just it's like a refinery. It's really crazy. Like, wow. And then they put in a pill and they get more money than you would forever for a gallon of gas. And they're trying to sell this. Stuff. I mean, they're, they're, they're screening kids now for cholesterol at school. They're doing everything. It goes way beyond what's being no, discussed the, the here. The cholesterol and kids thing is outrageous. Yeah, it's, it's just nuts. It's just nuts. And, you know, and this cholesterol. Do you take Lipitor? No. And do you take uh, Viagra? No, I don't need Viagra. Have you ever tried what do you Viagra? you take me for? I'm just asking. Have you ever tried Viagra? No, I've never yeah. even tried it. I don't like the idea of, of it because it changed because I don't like 
I don't like uh, <laughs> my trap. heart rate. Yeah, going up to a thousand, and, and, and also the temporary blindness and the other possibilities. Well, that could actually Ice be bugging a, out. That could be a benefit. <laughs> <laughs> you get a double whammy there. <laughs> it's like, hi, honey, hold on. Oh, I'm blind, but look at my boner. <laughs> right, let me at it. Yeah, no, I don't. Why do you? No, you a big, uh, you a big Viagra user? Never tried it. Huh. Never tried. Of course not. But just all this stuff is just it's it's disconcerting. I mean, it's, it's the advertising, man. People believe this. You know, Mickey is uh, Miss Mickey has made friends here with someone. Uh, Mom, just now. Yeah. <laughs> Just this very second, and That's what it uh, sounds like yeah, and uh, and she was talking to her on the phone, and this is Austin, right? And uh, and this mom is from out of state, and she's been here for about nine or ten months, and she has uh, two kids, I think, one is nine, one is fourteen, and uh, the uh, and so they both can't go into school unless they have uh, their mandatory mandatory vaccines, which, as we know, is the next big. Uh, bonanza for the drug companies, not only because it's giving stuff to people who aren't sick, but they also can't be sued if it kills them. But the other one was this mom actually got a call from the school. Yeah, you know, your son's not really adjusting. And, uh, uh, one of the, you know, the Texas schools, Ritalin, by the way, time are for notorious Ritalin. for this. Yep, time for Ritalin. Throw that kid onto Ritalin. How How horrible is that? And that's all. It's that's a very, very common. Oh, the you, Texas darling. school system is commonly likes to dope up their kids. It's so wrong. I don't know why that hasn't been stopped. Well, it's Perry because of uh, Governor Perry, the douchebag. No, it goes way before him. It was during. It was before the Bush when Bush was governor. With Jerry <laughs> well, duh, well, there you go. Do I need to say anything? <laughs> it was Bush. Yeah, duh. They're all a holes. So this mom is like freaking out. I don't know if they can, uh, if they can mandate that. Wouldn't surprise me. Your kid's got to be on Ritalin. Yeah, I think you can homeschool here, though. Yeah, I think so too. I would just homeschool. Yeah, Although, until the kids are old enough to want to want to actually get out of the all house. of this mom is probably like, yeah, anything to get the kids out of the house. Just give them some dope. Get them out of my house. I don't want to hear this kid yammering at me, running around like a crazy kid. Dope him up. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, doping him up. So the uh, Penn State pedo bear thing continues. Yeah, now they got another school involved, Syracuse. Oh, I think yeah. your theory oh, yeah. about uh, buddy, first buddy, is probably <laughs> accurate. And um, yeah, because this is starting to sh- sh- crop up now here and there, and I think it'll be two or three more in- incidents. This is becoming the new version of the. You know, first they went through the. The Catholic scandals, and now we're going through the coaching scandals, and I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. And that Penn State thing, there, they filed one lawsuit already, and you can just assume this school is going to damn near be bankrupted by these uh, lawsuits. And uh, it's just going to be a real interesting mess. Well, and, it's, and it serves them right. You know, Penn State deserves this. They had that one college, uh, uh, the one of the heads, one of the original uh, heads of the of the school, this female who had to quit. Yeah, uh, you know about this, right? Did we talk about this? I don't think we talked okay, about the, it. Okay, before about about five or six years ago, there was a there was a couple of the football players had gone in and the dorms and beat up some kids, and it was just a big deal. And there was a, cops were called out, and and so she went to the coach and, and called him to the carpet. And he said, "You don't, you're not calling me to the carpet. I'm calling you to the carpet. I'll do, I'll take care of it. Get out." Uh-huh. And nobody would back her to to, to discipline these kids. 
and uh, they got rid of the coach is running the school. And yeah. so she said, well, screw you, I quit. Right. So she's out during this this major scandal. And the sucker that came in, who was the guy who got fired, who should have interesting trouble getting work in the future. I mean, this is what happens when you have a corruption of, uh, you know, this sort of corruption at, at a college. I mean, you can't have, they, they should close the football program down. No, instead they, they, had, instead they, they had, had a prayer circle. Yeah, that's going to do it. <laughs> well, they're going to be praying for the, a better lawyer to defend them because this is not going to get any easier. And then we have a professor uh, at the University of Utah who was looking at porn uh, on a Delta flight. <laughs> did you see? Did you catch that one? Oh, I missed it. Yeah, he was sitting in the first class section of Delta flight. Yeah, hey, I'm in first class, man. I can look at porn, can I? <laughs> a man behind him saw what appeared to be child pornography. Oh, oh he notified the, the, what an idiot. The, the the flight attendant and the, of, of course, course it could have been could have been nothing the uh well who knows but uh the anti child pornography task force broke down the door of his uh, Cottonwood Heights home and they searched it to see and uh see if they could find more kitty porn uh, yeah, it just shows to me these universities have just become places where your kids, their minds are messed up, their bodies are messed up. I mean, you might as well not send your kid to a university. All they're doing is get indoctrinated with crazy stuff. I'm generalizing, but wow, this, yeah, this, this, you, you. yeah, but this stuff is rampant, John. This is it's rampant, and and it's been it's the past twenty years that this has started to really happen. You know, the, um, there was a guy. Now you know, I think it would be that big of a deal if the tuitions were lower. True. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I've always been harping on the Secretary General of Justice in the Netherlands, Joris Demink. This is the guy. Sure. This is the guy that I was harping on. I and he not only fi- I'm like, did I get fired from the radio station, but they took down the whole station. Yeah, they burned it to the ground. Yeah, completely. Um, so there was a uh, a day. A, so a ch- why did you get fired again? I forgot. Because I, I said, hey, you know, this guy, uh, he's a pedophile. And there's enough evidence that should, there should at least be an inve- investigation. There's never an investigation. And there were two big publications that... Uh, well, had, he should have sued you for libel. Well, this is the thing. He never sues anyone for libel because it's probably true. So uh, there was a, a big scandal. We didn't even talk about it on the show. Uh, a couple months ago in Gitmo Nation Lowlands where this uh, uh, director of a daycare center was abusing kids. And, you know, big scandal. And then the guy, uh, you know, goes to court and then uh, he's let go. Well, he's suffered enough. Because, of course, the secretary general, the second secretary general. suffered enough. He's had to be in court. Yeah, they let him go. They let him go. And the parents are like, what? (laughs) What? They just let him go because the secretary general is in on the game. This is how it works. When there's that kind of takeover, everyone's, you know, being blackmailed and you all got to be part of the club and shut up and it's rampant. And meanwhile, Penn State uh, advertising their big lecture on climate ethics. Yeah. My God. Penn State is going to do ethics on anything. <laughs> Douchebags. Yeah, really. No, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's sad. It's very, very sad. But there you have it. Um. So I got one more clip from sure. the uh, debates oh, where okay. I, we actually caught Romney pulling a parry and stammering and stuttering and then making some stupid some comment. I don't know. Was there ever a genocide convention? The nuclear program, whether Iran is going to become nuclear. We have a president who pursued an, an agenda of saying we're going to be friendly to our foes and we're going to be disrespectful to our friends. 
The right course in America is to stand up to Iran with crippling sanctions, indict Ahmadinejad for violating the Geneva or the Genocide Convention, put in place the kind of crippling sanctions that stop their economy. I know it's going to make gasoline more expensive. There's no price which is worth an Iranian nuclear weapon. I I'd love this guy to be president. We could keep that. It's a guaranteed four years of material. We totally need this. He's like he's like falling apart. Mean, what is this genocide convention? I got to look it up in the book of knowledge. <laughs> Maybe there was one I didn't no, know about. Well, it. Did you? Well, Donna, please. You should check it out. Meanwhile, the uh, preventgenocide.org convention on the prevention of the punishment of the crime of genocide. But is there a genocide uh, convention? Uh, yeah, it was in the United Nations General Assembly, 9th of December, 1948. I don't think he means that. I think he means the Geneva Convention, which I also think he meant Geneva Convention. But he's well, this thing again. Well, the Geneva Convention gets getting played up. You know, now it's like, hey, the uh, the slaves over there in Iran, they stormed the British embassy. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, that's against the Geneva Convention. You've got to protect the embassy. Don't you get it? Don't you understand that people are pissed off? They're angry. I got a different approach on this one. Okay. Uh, I think, and there's a couple of interesting clips that will lead into my conclusion. Okay. Uh, I'm, uh, you play this clip, MI6 wants war with Iran. Okay. And finally, uh, this latest news out of Iran, the British government withdrawing a portion of the diplomatic staff after Iranian uh, protesters, not clear exactly who they were, stormed uh, the British embassy in Tehran, overrunning the diplomatic buildings, quoting, de uh, chanting death to Britain. Oh, Richard Seymour. Yeah, well, I think that uh, we have to understand this in the context of um, the geopolitics. There are elements within the British government that really want a war with Iran. Um, that's come out recently with the connections between uh, Liam Fox, who was the defense minister and a very hard right, neoconservative, Atlanticist, pro-Israel, and a fellow called Adam Werity, who was a friend of his and who uh, coordinated among all these Atlanticist and pro-Zionist uh, organizations. And um, it seems that they were lobbying quite hard for an attack on Iran, and I think it's quite clear that there are elements within the government who would uh, like to escalate some sort of situation. Yeah, but that's never going to happen. It's not the point. The point is, is that it's, when he says elements within the government, right, that's he's talking MI6. about MI6. MI6 yeah, and the, and we've talked about this before because I've always been convinced that MI6 it, through the BBC has been trying to stir up things in Syria. Right. And much of this Iranian stuff is also the British. Mm -hmm. And I think the Iranians said, hey, look, let's draw attention to the fact that it's the British that are trying to cause trouble here. And they stormed the embassy and made a big stink about it. So we're both saying the same thing. It's like they're, they're, they're fed up with it. Yeah, they, but I think that I don't think it's just a bunch of fed up. No, citizens. Oh, no, I no, no. I understand. I understand what you're saying. But here, here's the question, because the UK put sanctions in place and that apparently, I mean, I can't think of any country where like sanctions, who gives a crap, whatever. But what were those sanctions? It had to be with oil, I guess. It had to be something that they won't take their oil or what was what do you well, know what this the never really been per perfectly outlined in the fact that the oops Ooh, I, I won't hit you for that because you caught yourself the uh the russians and the chinese aren't buying into it so they're just still trading so it doesn't hurt them at all and they still can trade with african nations these sanctions are bogus Bogative. and by the way this guy who was talking the seymour character who was on that, that last clip he can't he used the word atlanticists twice mm-hmm 
And Atlanticism, which is a, a thing that's kind of creeping up on people, is the idea that the uh, specifically the United States and Canada and even Mexico to some lesser extent would. And you've heard about this. We've heard other clips from C-SPAN and elsewhere talking about them hooking up with Brit, Britain as their as their kind of own sub EU where you have Great Britain and the Canada and the United States forming a, right. an alliance they're, they're outside almost, yeah. of the EU. A special relationship. And so the so there's some connection between the Atlanticists who apparently go back to uh, Reagan, Churchill, Blair and and the various intelligence agencies are trying to stir up various I don't know, make trouble in these areas for whatever reason. Uh, I, I The whole thing is, it's kind of a mess. I mean, I'd like to see some reports uh, deconstructing all this, but there's, it's no doubt in my mind that this is, a, is, is, is fake. I mean, this whole anti-Iran thing is just a, a scam. There was, uh, I'm trying to look for it now. I'm pretty sure I clipped it. There, You know how I'm, I'm always harping about <clears throat> how the British, they're just not, you know, they're not what they used to be. We know now that the British women are the fattest in the EU, uh, according to uh, the EU's own study. Uh, and it used to be the thin, the thin dude with the pitchfork and really angry and running all over the place and, you know, g- g- rioting. And uh, we saw a huge demonstration uh, yesterday in Gitmo Nation East. Uh, two million, they say, two million uh, public workers uh, who were protesting against their austerity measures uh, one being that the pension age, which of course is now kind of the normal, the new normal, has been ra- is being raised to sixty seven, and they have to, uh, in some cases, double their pension contributions of their paycheck, and so this sparked off two things. One, uh, we have, uh, and and by the way, uh, the airports have never been as great. Everyone says because this included school teachers, uh, border patrol, uh, security agents, police officers, and everyone at the airports, and they have video clips like, hey, it's great, we breezed right through. There wasn't this normal hassle all the time from these a-holes. It was fantastic. <laughs> it should happen more often. But Jeremy Clarkson, who is uh, you know, the main host of, uh, of Top Gear, the very popular automotive program on the BBC. Yeah, the big guy. Do you know what he said? Well, about, I'm about, find out yeah, about the uh, about these strikers. I'd have them all shot. <laughs> I would take them outside and execute them in front of their families. I mean, how dare they go on strike when they've got these gilt-edged pensions that are going to be yeah. guaranteed while the rest of us have to work for a living? Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say. <laughs> I'm kind of on Jeremy's side on this, and you know, of course, you don't want people being shot, but uh, it is true. That they have it great over there if you're working for the government. They really do. They have it great. We have it pretty well. Yeah, great. But then, and this is the clip I, I really, it's long, but I think is worth, this is the best rant ever from a pissed off Englishman. Um, and I, I think it's long, John, but I really want to play it. I play it. I can, I can, I, I can, uh, you can, can handle listen. it. So this is an Englishman who How is, long is it? It's a couple minutes. Uh, that's no problem. Well, if, if you don't, if, if if you don't like it, which I doubt, just yell, I have stop. a long one too. We can. So he's a cab. He's a cab time. driver. Uh, he's also a union guy, and he is going on strike. Uh, but he really brings the real, true thinking of a true pissed off Englishman into it, and it is just the most beautiful 
video I've ever seen on YouTube. Right, as well as being an... I'm going to try and do this, actually, without swearing or shouting. As well as being an artist taxi driver, I'm also a university lecturer, an associate lecturer at Chelsea, and I'm, on, I'm the branch secretary of the UC Union at Campbell College of Art. We will be having a picket line on November the 30th. But everyone knows that it's for pensions. But you can't just strike these days. You have to fucking give them, like, months' notice, and it's like... Oh, by the way, not safe for work, this one. <laughs> It is one, you have to have a cause and it has to be pertinent to you. You can't just come out in sympathy. But everyone knows it's not just about fucking pensions. This government, right, is trying to do away with the human rights law. This government is trying to do away with the minimum wage. This fucking government, right, is trying to privatise the NHS because they know all their mates will get involved in it and it's a fucking gold mine. Because <laughs> when someone's little kid's sick, they, they, will, they will have to go and get them fucking... Because they know if you can afford a mobile fucking phone, you can afford to get your le little kid's leg fixed. It's a fucking disgrace. This government's appalling. It's sitting alongside a Liberal Democrat that fucking lied. Most of the fucking poor students that voted for Liberal Dem are now suffering because they've trebled it. They signed a pledge to fucking d do away with it. And then greedy fucking gets a trebled it because it's just like, where's all the fucking money going? into the fucking pockets of the fucking corporations that this government, this government, this government, right, should be protecting the people from the corporations, but it's protecting the corporations from the people. There's no right to fucking protest on the streets of London. You get kettled and fucking dragged in and beaten and arrested with as on fucking provocateur police. They, 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 they're fucking, there's, they, 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 they're supporting the fucking energy companies whose, whose bills are going through the roof. And the fucking old people are going to die. They're doing away with people's fucking pensions. It's a fucking disgrace. They're rummaging around the world, raping and pillaging and killing other people <laughs> in tiny little countries, stealing their fucking minerals. And we've had enough. We're fucking striking about all of this. And everything that's happening around the world in fucking other countries and all the other protests, like in Egypt and in America, it's all fucking connected because we're sick to death of you and your like, David fucking Camerface, <laughs> and Francis Maud and Dalia Alexander, stick your fucking dicks back in your trousers, stop waving them around, telling us what we're fucking doing, because we're striking, because we're sick to death, we're sick to fucking death of being living in wage fucking slavery, while CEOs and fucking bankers are spunking our money up the wall. Yes, that's our money that we're paying in taxes. Taxes that should be going towards the health and education of our children. You're fucking giving it to banking speculators who are gambling with people's lives. It's, and don't think it's not fucking connected, because it is. Because I'm also striking for the fucking people that are starving in East on the Horn of Africa who've got fucking nothing. Because they're starving, and it's to do with the fucking bankers. And we all know it, and we know there's a fucking cabal that's running, ramping, paging around the world that wants to start a war in fucking Iran so they can fucking steal all their oil, all their, all their fucking oil.
We've got fucking arms dealers. We've got our government fucking selling arms to dirty, disgusting fucking military around the world like the Bahrainis and the fucking Egyptians so they can use on their own people. They don't even fuck about in America. They just pepper spray their own fucking people <laughs> for pacifically protesting, just sitting down. And everyone's fucking sick to death of David Cameron, the fucking Labour Party who killed fucking people in Iraq. You're out. We're fucking had enough. And I'm striking on November the 30th for the fucking whole lot. And we're All sick right, to okay, death. Okay. We want... <sighs> David fucking camera face. Does this guy, uh, Camel, wasn't it? Camel face? Yeah, I think he said camera face. I don't think he said camel face. Camel face. He goes on for another minute. Is this guy's a lecturer at the, at some university at Chelsea? It, I, I, people probably must just I, sign up. Just I bet it's loaded. I bet the auditorium is what, packed. Three words without dropping an f bomb. Holy man! Oh, I love how he starts it off and says, "I hope I won't swear with what I'm about to say." And then he yeah, launches no, right into it. That's the joke of the. Whole However, thing. of course, uh, you will not uh, hear this on the BBC. You have. Oh, to, you wouldn't hear on anything but the show. You have to resort to this program to this little. Uh, Little MP3 file to, to yes, hear the power but, of the MP3 file. But I liked it because the guy is is not just about Britain and the pensions. It's about you know the killing of brown people in, in desert. He's like the Americans. They don't they don't muck about. They just pepper spray. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's right. Come into your town soon, my friend. Well. I think he's got a couple of things. Uh, he did mention the Iran thing, which I could yeah, harp on with another clip. Fit right into it, didn't it? Uh, what would Iran do? I was watching one of the, on C-SPAN, there was a, uh, I don't know if it's a think tank. It was. It seemed like it, but there's some woman that was, uh, let me get her name here. Uh, by the way, a uh, message for GX2, uh, of course, as with all the clips, that clip will be in the uh, show notes at uh, 361.nashownotes.com. Uh, and I'm expecting a remix. Uh, let's see. I don't know if I have her name. She's anyway. This was a, the Israeli Peace Forum or something, and it was she. This woman is in some some crazy organization I never heard of discussing uh, the stupidity of thinking that if even if Iran had the bomb, what would they do with it? Uh, knowing that they would be decimated if they did anything. and so, David, but, stupid fucking camera face just wants to go in and start a war in Iran and just steal the war. What would Iran do is the clip. Can, can I ask you a question? I mean, if they get it, what are they going to do with it? First of all, say they have one or two. Uh, have a test, a big test, you know, withdraw <laughs> from the NPT, do a North Korea. I mean, they can't launch it against anyone because they would there would Blow be horrific world. retaliation <laughs> so what does it get them how does it make hezbollah or hamas stronger to know that iran has a nuke i mean they're arabs they know iran is never going to use that nuke on their behalf they know that i mean the the when i first went to iran i discovered iranians are anti-semitic they hate arabs <laughs> more than anyone so you know they're not going to use it on behalf of hezbollah or hamas what Hezbollah and Hamas have are conventional rockets that can do a lot of damage, and that's the way they operate. So what exactly does Iran accept? It can, it can beat its breast. And uh, the only thing I see, John, is that it's a proxy for Russia. Isn't that basically what Iran is? That's what it used to be, traditionally. Yeah. And so, since we've kind of, I think, uh, there was a, some clips I never collected, but... Uh, 
Pat Buchanan was on Book TV over the weekend, a couple weeks ago, talking to, of all people, Ralph Nader. Ugh. So he had two guys that were doing interviewing each other. Actually, it was... It must about, have been entertaining. It actually was entertaining. Buchanan, because they had more in common than, than not. I bet, yeah, I bet. But Buchanan was discussing the fact that... Uh, when the United, when the, when we forced the the collapse of the Soviet Empire, the USSR, and then they f- fell back to uh, just the borders of Russia, and they left all these things open. Buchanan criticized the U.S. policy for rushing in and then setting up bases right up against the Russian border, when that's what the big fear of the Russians always was, and all we did was confirm it. And now that we're the number one superpower and we're doing all these crazy things around the world, all we're doing is confirming the worst fears, which I always thought were bogus. Bogative. <laughs> Bogative. That's the definition The worst right fears there. that these guys always had, which is that we're maniacs. And that we had, you know, you needed a big buffer state around Russia be- just to protect the, From the, the maniacs. Yeah. Like From Poland. The maniacs. Russia's going to invade Poland, you know. Now that we're setting up all our nukes there and our ballistic missiles. It could happen. They're, they're going to invade. They're already saying it. They're already saying, yeah, you know, hey, Poland, if those missiles come in, we're going to come in. And by the way, Poland is big. It's not some little. No, it's huge. Little ass. Uh, and they're and the ass most state. westernized of all those countries along huge that edge. Huge economy. Huge. It was like 80 million people in Poland or something. It's huge. Ugh. Yeah. No, you're right, John. Thank you. We're maniacs. And we're such maniacs that uh, this is great. Now, of course, that this goes back to the drone attack uh, that Pakistan. And I think the whole the whole, well, I'll tell you my uh, what I think about Pakistan. What the what the deal is? Yeah, that, you know, that's interest. It interests me because there is something. Of, of, there's, there's something, something afoot. Hail the afoot. foot. Hail the foot. foot. So here's a report. Uh, uh, apparently. Well, listen to it. We got to deconstruct this one. U.S. officials now suspect the Taliban may have tricked NATO forces into <laughs> launching a deadly attack on Pakistani soldiers. Twenty-four Pakistani soldiers were killed on Saturday at two locations near the Afghan border. The attack has sparked massive protests in the streets of Pakistan. And I'm joined now by NBC News chief Pentagon correspondent Jim Mikleshevsky. So, Mick, why does the U.S. now say it might have been lured into this attack? Well, actually, somebody in the U.S. is saying that. But quite frankly, Thomas, uh, everybody I've talked to doesn't put much credibility into that claim. And it it sounds like somebody is looking for an excuse as to why the U.S. military killed 24 Pakistani soldiers. And blaming the Taliban is just as good as any. Uh, But some of the facts that no longer appear in dispute are that the U.S. military and Afghan forces were conducting an operation there along the Afghan-Pakistan border. And, And that somebody from the Pakistan side of the border uh, fired in their direction. Now, even some Pakistani officials on background are acknowledging background. Uh, that soldiers at that outpost suspected Taliban was in the region, fired flares, and even fired mortars. Uh, the U.S. military claims that before launching any strikes against that area, the U.S. military got permission from the Pakistani military to go ahead with the attack. But here's the bottom line question. The U.S. military ha- already had that area of the border pretty well mapped out. They knew exactly where the Pakistani outposts were located. So the question is, why or who gave the order to attack those Pakistani outposts? Okay. So, first of all, yeah, you shot a flare at a drone, okay? So that's bullcrap. I do believe that this was uh, said. I do believe there was permission. 
uh, I think the whole idea is to split Pakistan up into like, you know, three or four different regions to weaken Pakistan. Uh, by the way, is there a difference between you believe and you do believe? What does that mean? Well, you say I do believe. Why, why are you saying do? Well, the fact of the matter is. I'm just saying. I, I do got mine on you. Okay. I believe. Okay. It's an emphasis thing. I think, as you know, the yogi said, when I say things, they come true. Okay, you do believe that there was a scam involved. Totally. I don't know. I mean, I, this whole thing has been baffling. From I don't even know there's anybody that was actually killed. Well, um, no, they say, they say there were 24 guys were killed. Yeah, well, they can say whatever they want. Right, but, I, but do you not think that this is a tactic... To the, that, the, that some uh, ele- they're vacuuming here. That some elements within the Pakistani military who run the joint there, that they're in cahoots or infiltrated. Well, there's something fishy about the whole thing. If we knew it, we had the whole thing mapped out. We, you know, we're good at logistics. We know where everybody is. Right. And we knew that this was a Pakistani outpost, supposedly, according to the report. And then the Pakistani military gives us the go ahead. Of course, then denies it. I'm sure. Of course. To go and bomb this thing. Why? I mean, what would be the point? I mean, what were we going to get out of it? I think that somehow it's... Were we convinced that it was taken, run overrun by the Taliban and now they owned it and they were shooting flares at us? I mean, this whole thing is so fishy. Mm-hmm. I have not got one piece of anything. I've not one piece of information from anywhere that even sheds any light on this whatsoever. It's going to have to be uh, one of these... Uh, intelligence briefings that you we're going to catch on C-SPAN where somebody maybe, will describe maybe, it. Maybe, 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 But there will be, it will be revealed, but it won't be revealed to the public at large. It'll be revealed to the audience of 14 people that watch these things on C-SPAN. Which, at two of which are us. Right, it's down to 12. <laughs> um, and they're not talking. No. So the BBC, for some reason, felt it necessary to... Uh, uh, to go back and uh, prove that the guy who uh, we killed in Libya was indeed Colonel Gaddafi. And I don't know if, if, if they understood what they were doing. So they get this guy, uh, a Libyan rebel, who speaks decent English, so always suspect, decent English, and uh, he apparently was the first guy to find Gaddafi in the tunnel. But what he says kind of contradicts everything. I thought that maybe... He's somebody else. He just looks like Gaddafi. But he, I wasn't believed that he's Gaddafi at all. But when I look at his face, I was sure that he's, that's him, you know, that's him. But his other body, no, 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 he's not Gaddafi. But when I saw that, that, that face, I was sure that he's him. So they had Gaddafi's head mounted on another body or something? No, it's, just, it's not like there's nobody in Libya that doesn't, doesn't look, look like Gaddafi. Like, exactly. I mean, it's like Saddam Hussein apparently had, you know, dozens of, of body and, exactly. and facial doubles that looked exactly like him. We My still are not God. absolutely sure that was him that we hung. Uh-huh. I mean, as far as we're, he could still be living in Gestadt, Switzerland, for all we know. Paraguay. You know, with a nose job. Paraguay. Or Paraguay next to the bushes. That's right. They got a big estate up there. But, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't Gaddafi. They just, you know, <laughs> found some guy that looked like him was hiding. I think oh, that go I, down there. <laughs> oh, man, you look too much like Gaddafi. They'll catch you and shoot you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, they won't do that. I'm not Gaddafi. No, just get in the tunnel. Don't worry about it. 
you should see the interview with this guy. It goes on for like 10 minutes, and he's just like, uh, you know, and then I spoke, but Gaddafi didn't say anything. And it's just like, it's like really? Are you, are you just sending me a message trying to tell me that this is not true? Or Meanwhile, in Libya, um, one of the... Did they go get DNA from him? Have we had any confirmation? No, no, please. His body's sitting there in that cold storage room. It's like Lenin. So we have uh, Ali Tarhouni, who resigned from the uh, from the council. He said this whole election, everything is bogative. He's a he was the rebel oil minister, and he quit. He said the current Libyan uh, government is only supported by less than ten percent of Libyans. This is so obvious that this is this whole thing was a fake. And then we have uh, Libya sending 600 uh, fighters into Syria to go and start the crap up over there. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it's quite annoying. And you're right. This is us. We're doing this. We are the, we are the, the maniacs. And um, uh, there was a senior Turkish lawmaker uh, who went to uh, to Syria, and she came back, and this was, of course, not published widely, but it was published on it was uh, probably a Russian site. That makes sense. Uh, she says, uh, Western media outlets are not reflecting the reality in Syria, and the West is playing a game in that Arab country. She says it's totally not true. She says we, there's no violence. All it is is there's some snipers in, in these two little towns which are clearly, you know, agent provocateurs, and is being played off as if as, as if the, it's people who are revolting against the uh, Assad regime. And I tend to believe that. Well, the New York Times is still, still on, not, on that still not, uh, they're still, path. They're still they, on they have the, yet to, to roll over on Syria. When is that going to happen? I don't understand. Well, let's see what the, today's paper looks like. Okay. Let's see, front page, we got voting in Egypt shows mandate for Islamists. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a, a good job, everybody. And yeah, how, how, was, how come... We, uh, we predicted that. Why isn't Anderson that. Pooper over there now? Well, remember we had every cameras on balconies, Rolletaria Square, yes, yes, yes the uprising, sub, Arab sub. Spring. How come we're not there now? Why is Pooper not there? The sub uh, headline is ultra-conservative party teams with Muslim Brotherhood, so they'll be running things shortly. Uh... There's a thing of an Indian outsourcing in uh, California asking voters to raise taxes because we're not taxed enough in California. Uh, six central banks act to, act to buy time in Europe crisis, easing for borrowers, start, stocks soar. Do they have anything about the uh, what they're doing in Italy and Brussels now and they're soon going to do in every – here's how it works. Please help us save our country by uh, government bonds, by debt. They're actually, yeah. and, and they have the entire uh, football team over there in Italia, Gitmo Nation Pasta, uh, their, uh, you know, their national team, and they're being used as the promo guys. Yeah, no, we're, we're, it's great. We're going to go over and buy some bonds. We're going to buy the Italian debt. And then Belgium does exactly the same. How stupid are these people? How stupid? Uh, I don't know. I'd be selling. Yeah, of course. I'd, I'd be selling, too. And I'm looking, looking, looking. There's nothing on Syria. I don't understand it. Whole paper. Oh, okay. Well, then, then. So the New York Times, which is the uh, we believe to be the mouthpiece of the CIA, yeah, is no, still uh, no, standing back. No, nope, nothing nope, is nope, happening. Nope, nope. No, no, then it's just not true. 
Well, they just they just refused to go along with it. I think that some of the people who I, I think they were getting sick of being pushed around by the uh, by the British. The hmm. British are starting all this trouble. David Camerface. Camel face. <laughs> okay. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Huh. We did get a couple of interesting uh, donations uh, for this show uh, at the $111.11 level. Any drunk, one uh, came drunk in donations? One $121.21 from Leonardo, Leonardo Sobrato. In Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, after listening to your last show, I decided to make a contribution to underwrite or sponsor, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. advertising, John and Adam's Windows Phone Purchase Fund. <laughs> I realize it's far less than the amount you wanted, but I don't think it will even get you a used one. I don't think so either. But maybe you can add ownership of a Windows Phone to your American dream before the elites revise that dream any further. Please send some karma for a new job this way. Regardless, love the show. Keep up the good work. You've got karma. Sir Alan Bowes up in Langley, British Columbia. Oh. Hey, uh, John and Adam, here's my donation after listening to the fake holiday and Sunday No Agenda episodes. Not only <laughs> do I listen to each episode at work, I also listen the second time a week later while commuting in the car wow. in case I miss something while working. Your theory about not listening around holidays does not apply to me. Oh, thank you. Keep up the outstanding work. Bob Appleby in Greensburg, PA, in celebration of my lovely wife's birthday, December 8th. Please accept this donation for the world's best podcast. You're part of every weekend for us. We listen to you, gentlemen, each Sunday as we attempt to gather our strength once again and once again battle against the continuous stream of lies <laughs> and loss of our personal liberties that our government officials push on us. Bastards. If not for your humor, how could we all begin our week without the smiles you helped put us there? Help put there. Sorry. Thank you for providing so much fun each weekend. You can wish my lovely wife, and we do that yeah. uh, shortly. It's uh, a, can, I, can I just remind everybody, it is not the best po- podcast in the world. We would uh, we would hate to have that accolade. It is... Best podcast in the, in the universe! It is the best podcast in the universe, not the world. Please. Robert Simpson in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, $111.11. John Smith, Sir John Smith, I'm sorry, in St. Petersburg, Florida, $100, like most listeners, I find about 90% of the population to be insufferable. Is that good this or bad? This was even made more difficult with the death of my 13-year-old, oh. Beagle. Oh. who Beagle Lab Mix, who died of liver cancer last week. I really missed the old mutt. And I feel uh, for the other uh, listeners fighting cancer. Fuck the cancer. <laughs> hey, I interviewed this guy, John. Um, Josh- John Smith? No, no. J- Joshua Cody. He's written a book called Sick, uh, S-I-C. Uh, and there's a reason for it, because. But anyway, he's uh, he wrote about his uh, his battle with cancer. But this guy, he's like the Andy Warhol of our age, man. He wrote a, the most crazy book, like, and he he took notes while he was on morphine and stuff. You've got to read this book. It's one for the book club. I think this guy is a genius. Okay, well, I was put it on the book. Club, I'm going to be yeah, sick. Martin Peters. In VNN, Utah. Oh, no, 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 no. This is Maarten Peters in Vianen, Utrecht. Oh, what well, says Utah here? <laughs> it's Vianen. Vianen, Utrecht. 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 Where there's a, uh, there's, there's a treaty or something in, at that place. <laughs> they do a lot of paperwork in, in the Netherlands. That was Maastricht. 
Oh, Maastricht. Yeah. Not Utrecht. $100. There's not enough Springbank left to get pissed. But Springbank, another one of these Isla scotches that are quite tasty. Mm. But I'll donate anyway to the best podcast in the universe. I've been a boner for too long and need a bit of karma to get me my hot milf and little human resource through the holidays. Oh, okay. Let's, uh, why don't we just do a, a double shot then? That's one hot milf, baby. You've got karma. <laughs> Happy Sinterklaas to the two of you. By the time Sinterklaas gets to your place, he has gained some weight. This is interesting. Um, you know, Sinterklaas is the uh, is the Dutch Santa Claus, right? But uh, I've told you the story of, about uh, Sinterklaas. You might as well right? repeat it. So Sinterklaas is uh, he's the Dutch version of Santa Claus. He's a thin guy, and he has you know has the big hat on. He has like a, a pope hat and a, and a and a big stick, but he has these helpers called Black Pete's. And these black peats, the you know, the, it's usually guys in blackface. They run around with burlap sacks, and if you've been a bad kid, they'll threaten to throw you in the sack and take you back on the steamship back to Spain. <laughs> Spain. Yeah, yeah. And so Sinterklaas comes from Spain. He comes from Spain. Yes, on the steam on the, on the steamship. But now, uh, so this is celebrated around the world, and uh, I oh, I saved this uh, this note somewhere. Uh, I guess in Minnesota somewhere. Maybe let me just check. They um, they've outlawed the annual, which has been going on for like twenty five years. They've been celebrating Sinterklaas in uh, in one of these places in the states. I'll find it in the show notes. Uh, but they've outlawed it now because uh, you know the black the whole Black Pete thing. It's uh, it's racist. So so there's no no Dutch Christmas celebration for you. <laughs> Of course it's racist. The Dutch invented slavery. Everyone America gets blamed. The Dutch, they shipped all the slaves. That was their business. Sean Palladino in Cinnamonson, New Jersey, 7701. Uh, In the morning, John and Adam, the town name is Cinnamonson, is what I said. It's right off the river from Philly. Thanks for making fun of my town. The last time I donated... I needed a de-douching for not donating for almost six months, but as a worker at Taco Bell, I think you understand why I'm barely getting by. With this donation, I will donate $128, which is, as a computer nerd, is awesome. I also got 128, you know, it's a binary thing. I also got the domain name noagendamoneydrone.com to compete against InfoWarsMoneyBomb.com. InfoWars has actually earned over $400,000 in the past few months, and you guys deserve much more because you aren't as crazy as Alex Jones. Plus, this is the best podcast in the universe. I can uh, get some karma to help me on my job search after three years of working at Taco Bell. Yes, I think he deserves a, a double shot here. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Good luck there, uh, post-Taco Bell. Roman Andrusco in Bradford, Ontario. Hello, John and Adam, Canadian listener, becoming more and more dedicated to follow your show. I have hit a bit of a low point in my life. I lost both my girlfriend and job in the same month, feeling a bit down. Sad part is I had a great girlfriend and a great job. I think the universe is trying to teach me something, but I'm not sure what. I'd really like to get my girlfriend Julie back and get a great another great job. I hope that I can get some karma to help me turn my luck around. All right, we'll do that, man. No problem. Here's some get laid You've karma. Got karma. Sixty-six dollars for Roman. Yeah. Uh, David Fox in Raleigh, North Carolina, fifty six seventy eight. My girlfriend said I couldn't listen to your show again until I donated. That's now that's a woman for you. That is a woman, right on, baby. 
Love you. First time donor, no longer a boner. Could you please hit the beautiful Miss Christie and myself with a long overdue de-douching? You've been de-douched. And while you're at it, call out the GOP establishment as a bunch of douchebags. Douchebag. There you go. Sir Andrew Schmidt in Atlas, Pennsylvania. Double nickels on the dime in the morning. John Adams wanted to call out my podcast co-host, co-host <clears throat> Sir Craig Jones, for a birthday call out. We'll do that. He and I record the Just Getting By podcast on the No Agenda stream. People can go to JustGettingByPodcast.com for more information. Thanks for all the work you guys do. And thanks for the opportunity to get our voices heard. Hey, that's Sir Andrew Schmidt. Andrew Schmidt. Yeah, that's uh, that's nice. Hey, that's a derivative. Yeah. It's a, that's a derivative show. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, it's a spinoff. Yeah. Well, not a spinoff. <laughs> it's a derivative. It's a spinoff. I like that. Spinoff. Yeah. Daniel Thorley, another double nickels on the dime from Brighton, East Sussex. Sacrificed a lot or sacrificed a shot of JCD's favorite scotch and sent the money to you instead. A shot 5510. It's about right for that stuff. That stuff, you know, I've been talking about Lafroy 30. I looked it up. I should. I could have bought it a few years ago, reasonably priced. Now it's nine hundred dollars <coughs> a bottle. What, Lafroig? Yes. Yeah, thirty. My goodness. Also forwarded a new donor name to noagendashow.com, pencilofpromise.com. Oh, right. perfect, pencilofpromise.com. Hey, hey, how's that going? With did, did you and Eric talk about doing the pencil of promise as a premium gift gift item on noagendanation.com? Not yet. It's a good idea. Yes, I think, well, it has its moments. Joshua Stoyer in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Double nickels on the diamond in the morning, John and Adam. Greetings from Gittin' Mo Nation Cheesehead. I'd like to request a double shot of karma for my fiance, Courtney, and I and our future endeavors. I'd like to call Kyle Smith out as a douchebag. Douchebag. Turned him on the No Agenda show a few months ago and having having to listen to him blasting the Alex Jones show. And he's yet to give a donation. Thanks and keep up the great works. So he needs a, a karma well, a double shot means we'll give him a milf and a, and a karma. You've got karma. Kevin Payne in Richmond, Virginia, double nickels on the dime. Thanks for the Sunday show. This is an addition to my monthly pledge so I can get a shot of, out of karma. I'll be driving in Bonaire, huh. arriving in the third. I will not be able to hear the show until I get back, but I expect to feel the karma wash over me. At the appropriate time, hit him. Yeah, here it comes, here it comes. It's a, it's a flood of karma. You've got karma. Mmm. Mm, Danny, Danny Meadows in Stockbridge, Georgia, $52. Throw mom some karma. She just had quadruple bypass. Mm, mm, mm. You've and got karma. Hold on. Now we have some miscellaneous donations. A geek rolling, 5139 out of Los Angeles. Andrew Haverson in Gravenhurst, Ontario, $50. Christopher Lawton, Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Uh, Greg Brunsell, Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, Lucas Taima. 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 Very good. Taima. From Oostgeest. Yes. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> next to my, he gave 50 bucks and says next to his 1111 subscription, here is an extra donation. Please send me some karma to Liberate Amsterdam, liberateamsterdam.nl. You've got karma. So, uh, some sort of a thing that takes place on the 10th of December at the Burrsplein. Burrsplein. It's like the Wall Street of Amsterdam. Burrsplein. Oh, in the, in the, uh, oh, it's Occupy Burrsplein. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The goal of this activity is to bring classical liberalism and libertarianism to the streets. Yeah, good, good luck. Good luck with that. 
Yeah, Paul Alvid in Toronto, Ontario, 50 bucks. Some karma for him and Sir Jimmy's new podcast, Emergency Broadcast System. Okay. Oh, oops, sorry. Yeah. Uh, he says he also had a hard drive crash. He believes this brings him to an X amount of money, but it's not quite. Here, Here you go for your podcast. You've got karma. It's another one that, that I believe finally, is on the stream. Finally, last but not least, is Black Knight Robert Durden uh, from Hoboken. I mean, 50. I have a couple of. Uh, uh, a couple of karma requests that came in. Good day, uh, Adam C. JCD. Just call me Roll SK from the chat room and the morning to you. Part-time producer. Sadly, part-time donor boner. However, I can explain my lack of donation of late. I would like to petition you for some karma. I've spent the past year going through a divorce. No kids, luckily. I was four days away from completing it uncontested. I just found out that my ex-wife is going to try and take my home and all my assets. On top of... <laughs> Don't laugh. That's horrible. On top of that, she's asking for over $30,000 in support for her, for the past year. The thing is, she left me to live with her parents in Arizona and refused any communication since. So even if I wa- wanted to, there was no way I could help. The Canadian divorce system is very harsh on any spouse who makes the majority of the money. And I will likely not come out of this clean. I just hope I can keep my house. Please send some karma, and I will resubscribe to the Mothership Passport, even though PayPal unsubscribed me some time ago. Anything I can send you is uh, anything I can send you is something she can't take. Oh, living the dream up in Kitmo Nation, Great White North. Okay, my friend, I think you deserve a little shot of karma there. You've got karma. And that's some uh, divorce karma. Uh, so we, we also the- got a note, note from Domit. Dirk Modro, Dirk Modro, who sent us the drunken note last week that got us off on the tangent about scotches. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, sober now. Well, stop. It's not interesting. If he's sober, there's no good. That's what I'm kind of thinking. But he did make the argument that he should have been given a knighthood because he's up over the thousand mark. But I'm going to I'm going to nix this and I'm going to tell you. Really? Oh, I think he's a knight, not a black knight, because we ran that piece, that drunk piece he didn't get in before the deadline of midnight. I just ran it because I thought it was good to read. So I prematurely oh. accepted his donation and then ran his drunken note. Um, so I'm not sure. What do you think we should do? Because he wants a black knighthood or expects one or thinks he's got one. When I'm not sure that he wouldn't have just gotten one because this is the day he, we should have been reading his note. I think it's a major controversy that we have to controversy. It is a controversy. So what you're saying is because you slipped in his drunk donation. Well, wait a minute. When you did that, John, were you drunk at the time? No. Oh, well, then I think he's a black knight. Why? Because if you had slipped up and it was a mistake and you were drunk, then it would have been okay as a drunk knight, a black knight. Uh, Why Why don't we just make him a drunk knight? The compromise. <laughs> no, we're not going to invent a new category. Come on, come on. You can be a Keep drunk. Keep falling right? off the horse. It's too dangerous. I, <laughs> I think he's asking for trouble. I think there's liability issues. I think we'll it give be, him this black night. I think it should be a drunk night. How about no, a black gonna, drunk night? We'll make him a black night. Black night. All right. All right. Then I still think drunk night is the way to go. Nah. I'm just saying. That, right, that you, would be a samurai. Ooh, all right. Ooh, Onward. ooh, I like that. How how do you become a samurai? I don't know. Yet. All, you it. become a samurai if all of your donations it's were not done like drunk. a title, though. I mean, I don't think there's a these are titles is different than a this kind of something. We'll we'll figure it out. John, from let's, Nor- let's do some birthday. Thank well, you. I'm almost done. Uh, John from Northwest PA. My wife, two little girls, father, stepmother, and father-in-law will be traveling to Disney World this Friday for the first trip. 
I'd be grateful if you could bestow upon us some travel karma during the show, so we'll happily uh, do that. You've got karma. And then uh, finally, Sir Rory Stone. Uh, I would love, uh, of course, we always break for our nights. I'd love a karma shout-out today because my mother will be in surgery just as the show is starting. Night in need of some karma for his mother. My mother's getting her back fused today. Ah! Uh. And we'll be in bed for about 10 weeks. Just want karma from mom to encourage her speedy recovery. Well, we always have karma from moms. You've got karma. Especially if it's coming from our uh, from one of our nights. So uh, thank you so much. Remember, uh, karma is only good for about a week. So you need to bear that in mind if you're requesting some of that. And uh, you need to uh, up the ante if you want it for a uh, sports team. We're not doing those anymore. But all of this can be found, including the most uninteresting donation number in the world, which is 124.07. Or is it 127.04? That was 124. 124.07. I think, yeah. The most uninteresting Well, let me in check the, the book of knowledge. Yeah, you consult the book there. of knowledge. 124.07. And the way you can do that is by simply clicking your mouse to... No, no, it does not exist. Slash N-A. I think yeah, it was... Yeah, I also go to No Agenda Nation and pick up a, a slave t-shirt and uh, perhaps uh, uh, some other... So Ms. Mickey has... Uh, she's bought a mannequin... She's ordered one, you know, uh, like a clothing mannequin for her photography stuff so she can uh, practice on non-live models. And uh, she showed... Like, the man- like a store mannequin, not, not one of those dressmakers things. Correct, correct. And, okay. she, and she emailed me the picture, and I swear to God, it got turned on. I'm like, this, this model is hot. Let me write, this, let me write the date of this. <laughs> this, this, model, this model is hot. I'm like, uh, and I said, I said, is it wrong that I got turned on by the mannequin? She said, no, I got turned on by the mannequin too. Anyway, the point is, uh, every single time we have something special on the show, like the slave t-shirt or something else, she's going to do a picture of the mannequin, you know, with whatever the special thing is. So we could have her drunk one time, or like bend her over, like puking or something with her hair all messy. Yeah, you could take some Campbell's chicken soup and pour it on the back there. And <laughs> we could do all her. kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, it'd be funny. Yeah, so, but whenever we have something, but particularly Sick, the, but the merchandise. Sick. <laughs> yes. Well, we're in Austin. We can do whatever we want, particularly the merchandise. She's going to be taking uh, product shots. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. 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 I, can t- I, I can tell you're blown away, John. That's great. Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine. I, it's, it's amazing that anyone would think of such a thing. <laughs> It's your birthday, birthday, no agenda. Oh, Dame Jess Walters congratulates her husband, Sir Troy Walters, uh, celebrating on uh, tomorrow on the 2nd. Bob Appleby says happy birthday to his wife, Kathy. She celebrates on the 8th. And Sir Andrew Schmidt uh, congratulates his uh, podcast co-host, Sir Craig Jones, who turns 23 today. Happy birthday from all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. Oh, that's a big one. Where's your Where's your blade, man? Here it comes. Did you come to the show unprepared? No, it's right here. No, that you got it. Okay. Time for our knighthoods: Michael Henry, Robert Simpson, and Dirk Madro. Please step forward, as all three of you have contributed to the No Agenda Show, the best podcast in the universe, in the amount of at least one thousand dollars. And uh, special props go to Dirk Madro, who has donated drunk and will receive his black knighthood today. And your rings are on the way, and I hereby pronounce these Sir Michael, Sir Robert, and Sir Dirk, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. Hookers and Blow, Rent Boys Chardonnay, and Hot Pants and Booze, here for you. 
Thank you for your support of the No Agenda Show. Dvorak.org slash N-A. We could not do this program without you. That is a fact. Not just a fact of the matter. That is a fact. It's a fact fact. of the bladder. It's a fact. That's what you can do. The fact of the bladder is... If the you, fact if, of the bladder. If, that's, that's good. It has a nice sound to it. I like it. We should keep the, the fact of the bladder. It's as good as bogative. And you can actually slip that in when you're testifying before the congressional uh, committee. The fact of the bladder, the fact of the bladder is, is, is... They won't even notice. No, exactly. No one's listening. <laughs> they all snoring. <laughs> what, what did he just say? Uh, so there's a funny little story. Just before we get to some more normal stories, you got to play this. this. This was just run off on the Democracy Now! show as a news item. Uh, and I was just a head shaker. It's the uh, it's the WTF uh, oh, Bloomberg. Clip. Okay, hold on, let me play it. New York City Council has voted to sue Mayor Michael Bloomberg over new restrictions that critics say will force homeless people from shelters out into the streets. Under the new rules, adults seeking to spend the night at shelters would be required to submit information, including documents about their housing history and finances. The council is expected to file its suit next month. Yeah, this is a big deal. Wait a minute, let me get this straight. Yeah, we're kicking out the, the homeless. So you got some homeless bum who's probably half <laughs> insane, he's a wreck. Uh-huh. And you want to see his paperwork about yeah, his papers. housing history and his finances? The Show guy's got no paper. money. Yeah, no, this is, but you know who started what is, this? What does Bloomberg think everyone keeps around the, a bunch of files, folders, well, you got to keep everything for seven years for the IRS or something like that? I mean, what is the? what kind of thinking is this? It's a legal way to get rid of bums. Homeless. Yeah, it's it's how you get rid of bums. This is Giuliani started this. They threw them all under the bridge, George Washington Bridge. They threw them out. Threw them to Jersey, Pennsylvania. They just it's just throwing them out. Throw them out of New York City. It's yeah, your papers. (laughs) You got no no papers. Ross. Yeah. That's not funny. It's uh, what New York City has become. No. Bloomberg is Get Bloomberg a douchebag. Yeah, he's one. he's turning into a real big douchebag. Douchebag. Another word you will not hear on mainstream media because it's bad. It's a bad word. Can't say that. I got Can't a funny say little it on thing cable for now, you. apparently. Yeah. I got a funny little thing for you here. Have you heard of the new Batmobile in North Carolina? Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Well, here is the commercial, and you better watch out because the Batmobile is coming to get you. It's sleek, powerful, and efficient. And this crime fighter is on North Carolina roads and coming to a city near you. If you're drinking and driving, watch out for the Batmobile. The breath alcohol testing mobile unit is a remote processing station and mobile courtroom for immediate on-site forensic tests and judicial appearances. The Batmobile, law enforcement's latest tool in the fight against drunk driving. Remember, it's booze it and lose it. Brought to you by the North Carolina Governor's Highway Safety Program. <laughs> you should see this truck. The Batmobile. So they, they set up a, a, a sobriety checkpoint, and then uh, you blow into the tube. They can take your blood right there, and they got a judge on board so, and, they, and a jail. They, it's all well, in one. It's like the Old West where they always have some hanging judge sitting It's there. groovy. That's right. <laughs> you see the hanging thing? judge. Yeah. It, and, but the thing looks amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And they got the little bat mo- the Batman theme in there. I'm looking at it now. Oh, the Batmobile. It looks like a fire truck. It looks like an ambulance or something. It's huge. It's a big bus. Yeah. With a hanging judge and with a jail and a, a blood Impressive lab. Or alcohol. Booze it, lose it. <laughs> Booze it and lose it. <laughs> hey, donate drunk before you drive. Booze it and lose it. Unbelievable. That's great. 
And neo-prohibitionism continues. Well, not just that, but the attack on free speech is getting out of control. Uh, this bullying thing, which I think we now have correctly identified, is uh, is being used as a meme and being taught to our children as uh, an erosion of your First free, Amendment right. Yeah, First Amendment, yeah. yeah. Totally. So, so bullying could be like, well, of course, the only bullying... Everything's bullying, it yeah. seems. Yeah, the, well, the, the way that you can't... See, you can't... When bullying is like, you're gay, you're a fag, then, of course, like, oh, well, you can't do that. It's all so wrong, you know. That is a form of, it's it's messed up. That is a form of bullying and a form of First Amendment right, exercising a First Amendment right. And the whole idea is you should be able to say, well, yeah, you're an ugly, you know, you, your mom sucks toad or whatever. But this is now, it's being taken to the extreme in Minnesota. There's now even an executive order for the bullying squad. Because Minnesota has one of the weakest bullying laws in the nation, Governor Dayton today announced a task force to recommend changes. You know, witness that children in Minnesota are being subjected to a form of harassment, a form of emotional torture. And Wow, I haven't even heard that. Emotional torture. Wow. This is a big one. An authority are not responding and not preventing that and not acting upon it. Uh, it's just something that's so un-Minnesotan that it's, Minnesotan. Uh, it's hard to fathom. The governor's executive order forms a task force of no more than 15 people, including the commissioners of education and public safety. It's to make its recommendations to the governor no later than next August 1st. But one of the challenges is engaging kids themselves. At the bullying hotline and website at the Pacer Center in Bloomington, counselors say one of the number one reasons kids don't report bullying is because they're afraid they'll be next. Now, here's what I don't understand. Bullying hotline? Yeah, yeah. When a cop walks by and nonchalantly sprays you with pepper spray, that's not bullying? But when kids are, are yelling, calling each other names, then there's, oh, we need a hotline, we need a task force, we need anti-bullying laws. This is not good for the general population, for our kids. They have to learn to stand up for themselves. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a good thing to me. It's, too, it's a nanny state. It, well, I think it's worse than that. Yeah, well, it is worse than that. But a nanny state is, is worse. I mean, it is, it, it is in and of itself worse. I don't know what that means. I yeah. guess it was yeah. not well, very well put. The fact of the bladder I give is... Up. Yeah, the fact of the bladder, the fact of the bladder. is that uh, we ha- somehow we have to see the reason why you're not allowed to say anything about this. And this is what bugs me so much is because they only report on bullying when it comes to kids who are gay. And then it's like, oh, you man, you can't say anything about that. You can't you can't say like that's not OK. And this bullying because, you know, it's gay, which, by the way, I think uh, as a bicurious male, I'm insulted by that. You should be. Yeah, because, you know, gay guys can, and girls can come up for themselves. They can stand up for themselves. Well, most of the gay guys are so pumped up, it's like you they could kill anybody. You do a pulp, exactly. But how come? You know, I don't like it. I, I don't. It's a real problem. And I, and I am going to continue to say that we have to do, do away with all this. Nan, you, okay, I'll call it nanny state. This bullying bull crap. Stop it already. The, teach the, send the kid to jujitsu. They're bullying us over it. Well, I mean, you still have kids who are young enough. Yeah, nobody's being bullied currently. Why not? Because your kids are educated to to, to stand up for themselves and, and bully back, right? 
I don't know. They, they don't bully. Well, Eric probably does bully back. He's um, careful. Yeah. He's actually <laughs> more of the bully type. But, careful. Uh, careful. So yeah, Eric is actually a bully is what you're saying. He was no, a bully. No, he's just a, he's, he, he, Eric doesn't put up with any bull crap. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think, I look at Jay. I don't think she would put up with any bull crap, would she? Probably. <laughs> but she wouldn't be upset by she it. She wouldn't be crying. Yeah. Be like, oh, get lost. And by the way, Michelle Obama should be uh, arrested for bullying. She's scaring kids. Come up yeah, here. She's a bully. Come up here. So there was this guy. Uh, there's a book we should got to put on the list called, uh, it's written by Paul Van Buren. We meant well. And this guy works for the State Department, currently still works for the State Department because they can't seem to fire him, who wrote this scathing uh, book about our, our escapades in Iraq. About, and like naming names and talking about all the oh, ways. Oh, is this the book called The, the Green Zone or the, the movie was based on? No, this is a fairly new book, I think. Look it up on the Book of Knowledge. It's called uh, We We Meant Well. And how I, I think the, the whole title is We Meant Well, How I Helped lo- I, How I Helped Lose the Battle for the Hearts and Minds of the Iraqi People. Right. And he's got a website, wemeantwell.com, dot com, which has yeah. got a bunch of nasty stuff on it. Hmm. But I got a couple of clips I want to run through, which uh, this, which I just think is kind of funny, especially the part where he, uh, he kind of gets fired, but they keep paying him. Uh, hold on a second. Which one? And that's is that? the first one. Peter Van Buren, clip one. Uh, and also, how it is you're still working for the State Department? Well, working after a fashion. The State Department is very much like the the mafia in the sense that they don't <laughs> like you to talk about the family outside the family. <laughs> and what my book did was expose some of the failings of State Department leadership um, from the highest levels down to the levels where I worked that contributed to the lack of success in Iraq. This was not taken very uh, well by the State Department, and I was uh, initially punished by having my security clearance removed, ostensibly because of a link not a leak, a link on my blog at wementwell.com to a WikiLeaks document. In fact, the 500-pound gorilla in the room was the book. The State Department then sought to make me disappear, shave off my beard and, and push me out of the tribe, if you will. I was placed on administrative leave six weeks ago. My badge was taken away. My diplomatic uh, passport was taken from me. I was marched out to the front door where I uh, was ceremoniously told I was officially banned from entering any State Department facility, and I was sent home. <laughs> Unfortunately, the State Department found no mechanism to actually punish me or, or challenge me in a way that I could respond to. So they sent me to sit at home with full pay, to be quiet, to stay out of the way, to make me go away. I'm sending an email right now. I'm getting this guy in the big book show. <laughs> he sounds awesome. I like the, the fact that he's got a, he's getting paid full pay sitting on his duff at home tells you something's wrong with this government. That's I love it. The, the first rule about the State Department is you don't talk about the State Department. <laughs> I know. It's funny. So they so this goes on, by the way, this is a, goes on endlessly, this interview. Uh, but he does have this one little p- point, which is a little long, but it's another. This is my long clip. He talks about the oversized embassy. And, and as he talks about it, and we've talked about the stupid embassy. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. In, in, it's in still yet to be explained why this embassy's there and why. Oh, I, it's oh, so, I know why. I, do you want so to play the clip big. first? 
Because you know what? what's you know what's happening at this very minute? Do you know that the embassy is filled to the brim with bankers? Okay. With bankers. I mean, with bankers. Oh yeah, they're doing a huge. Um, uh, they're they're going to buy the uh, the mobile phone system. I mean, this is a bonanza. All the bankers are over there. They've all got security oh, detail. Giving up Iraq? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is happening right now. Goldman Sachs opening offices. Oh yeah. The, the whole. It's a. Comp- this is the takeover. The military was just. Pfft, you know, it's just to get some some annoying people out of the way. Now there's well, a hu- huge report about that. We'll play this clip about the oversized embassy. Uh, Peter, I just want to return to the point that you and our previous guest have also raised about the size of the U.S. embassy in Iraq. So with the U.S. Uh, military withdrawal scheduled for the end of this year, um, uh, a lot, you have also mentioned in, in a recent article, as of others, that the State Department will be required to hire thousands and thousands of contractors to fulfill uh, security as well as other services that the military previously provided. Can you say a little about that? Absolutely. The State Department has created the world's largest embassy in Baghdad, literally the size of the Vatican, something you can see from space. And with the military leaving, has hired over 5,000 mercenaries, contract security people, similar to Blackwater under, under some different names, as well as creating its own armed air force, its own blood system to supply uh, people who are injured, and a whole lot of other militarized functions that have no place in diplomacy. In many people's minds, the 16,000 personnel who are going to occupy the State Department facilities are nothing more than an extension of the occupation of Iraq, albeit under civilian control rather than military control. In countries around the world the size of Iraq, the State Department typically will have a mission of 100, 150 people. In Iraq, before the 1991 Gulf War, our embassy was relatively small, about the size of uh, the mathematics building at some uh, state college with uh, about 100 people working in it. And that is typical around the world for us to have a medium-sized embassy like that in a country that is about the size and, and complexity of Iraq. Why 16,000 people? Why 5,000 armed security contractors? Why an Air Force, helicopters with weapons? Why all this equipment? The State Department is occupying Iraq. It's an attempt (laughs) to continue our influence there, absent the military, or at least until Joe Biden can negotiate a return of the military to Iraq. Do you think that's why he was in Iraq? I think Joe was there for for a couple of things, partially, of course, the negotiations that your previous guests referred to, but I think also this is an attempt to have a a victory lap, if you will. Um, The president uh, campaigned on getting the United States out of Iraq. It was only because the Iraqis refused to grant us immunity for our soldiers that the president was able to fulfill his campaign promise. That said, the White House is trying to uh, make the most of it, announcing that the president has done what he said he was going to do, and I think uh, Biden's visit to Iraq was something of a chance to crow a little bit, to celebrate the end of the war uh, at Obama's hands, and and to run a victory lap. I'd like to propose that no VIP be allowed to uh, go to Iraq, certainly not to announce anything using the words victory or success, until he or she is willing to do that on an announced visit with the airplane landing in the daytime. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Joe Biden was there with all the bankers. That that was the report that I got. Yeah, oh, and they came in at the dead of night, I guess. Of course, as usual. of course, yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's. Uh, yeah, I'm getting this guy in the big book show. He sounds awesome. He's a real interesting guy, and he's just and he's just he's got a lot of stories. He he needs to watch out though. Yeah, probably does need to watch my, out, my, but 
Did you hear about the uh, the notary? Food poisoning would be my prediction. I have a quick two. Well, actually, I actually have a food poisoning. It, well, come on, man. The hot tub with a lid on is my favorite. Food poisoning is old. So we have a couple of two to the heads that uh, we need to mention before we go. The first is this, uh, and this is a total, total obvious two to the head cover up for the bankers, the bastard bankers. They uh, killed the notary public. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Here's a, is a nice little report uh, from some local station. The notary who signed tens of from Vegas. thousands of false documents in that massive robo-signing foreclosure fraud scheme was found dead in her home on Monday. Let's go straight to News 3's Marissa Mike. Marissa, so what do we know now? Details are limited as to how 43-year-old Tracy Lawrence died, but sources say her body was found yesterday by a police officer. Always kind of suspicious. We've learned Metro homicide detectives were working the case, but they ruled out homicide. It is unclear if she died from natural causes or if this was a suicide. <laughs> natural causes, suicide. Is there any other option you could think of, John? Uh, no. Lawrence was supposed to be in court at 8.30 yesterday morning for her sentencing hearing. When her attorney did not hear from her for more than an hour, the deputy attorney general asked the judge for a bench warrant to be issued for Lawrence. The judge denied it after Lawrence's attorney expressed concern for her client's well-being. The attorney general's office contacted Metro and officers found her in her apartment. Last Monday, Lawrence pled guilty to only one criminal charge of notary fraud. She would have only had to face a year in prison and or a $2,000 fine. That's why I would suicide myself. Oh, I'm going to, I'm in big trouble. I'm going to kill myself. Gary Trafford and Geraldine Shepard, two title holders from California, are allegedly behind the foreclosure fraud. They're accused of advising employees to forge signatures on default notices between 2005 and 2008. The two have yet to be arrested and we're told they are still in California. Yeah, so they're on the run. They're like, I don't want to be suicided. I got to run away. (laughs) <laughs> the report is really funny at the end. The attorney general's office is negotiating the terms of surrender for the pair. They're expected to turn themselves in sometime in December. Now, we're still waiting to hear from the Clark County coroner for the results of a toxicology report and Tracy Lawrence's cause of death. We will stay on top of the story and bring you the very latest just as soon as we receive any updates. Yeah. How much you want to bet that's not actually going to happen? Well, we'll be sure to update you. We'll give you it when we get the toxicology report. She died from lead poisoning to the head, <laughs> lead to the head. Now, that was not the only whistleblower, because, of course, that's what's going on. She's a whistleblower. She knows a hell of a lot. They didn't want her testifying in court at all because right. then everything starts to unravel. So they had to get rid of her. Now, this is a very interesting. Uh, a Marine, and this only happened a couple months ago, <clears throat> got uh, the highest uh, the Medal of Honor from the president. Big deal, big ceremony at the White House, videos on whitehouse.gov. And then this Marine uh, subsequently accused his employer, BAE, of uh, selling uh, weapons uh, to, uh, I think, rifle scopes to Pakistan. So uh, what I think happened is the, this guy's a whistleblower. He had the goods, and he was like, you know, you guys suck. I'm going to tell on you guys. And then the White House went, oh, no, 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 man. Look, we'll, we'll, we'll decorate you. We'll make you a hero. Come over here. And he goes ahead and he does it anyway. And then, of course, 
A recent Medal of Honor recipient is suing a former employer, defense contractor BAE Systems. Former Marine Sergeant Dakota Meyer claims the company ruined his chances at getting a job in the industry by saying he has drinking and mental issues. You're insane. <laughs> You're insane. Decorated Marine, war hero. You're insane. Sorry, son. You're insane. You know, it goes right back to what you said. We're maniacs. We're total maniacs. And then the uh, the big investigation, of course, if you'd listen to this podcast, the best podcast in the universe, you would know that this whole thing was a setup. But it's a little different than we thought it was. I think uh, the true story is now surfacing of Dominique Strauss-Kahn. Was Dominique Strauss-Kahn's downfall the result of a plot to derail his French presidential ambitions? An investigative report by a U.S. journalist raises questions over the ex-IMF chief's arrest on charges of sexually assaulting a hotel maid in New York in May. It claims a Sofitel employee and another man were filmed apparently celebrating as they waited for police to arrive. <laughs> and it queries whether DSK's BlackBerry phone was hacked. They were literally high-fiving on the video. They're like, yeah, right on, we nailed that motherfucker. By his political rivals. The leader of President Sarkozy's ruling conservatives dismissed such suggestions, saying conclusions could be drawn if there were facts or clear evidence. But as long as this is just gossip, rumors, and allegations based on anonymous... Yeah, blah, blah, blah. So what I think happened is uh, these, these guys just got lucky. They were hacking his phone... And his phone, by the way, it, it did go missing. He couldn't find his phone. Remember the whole thing? He went, he, he went back to the hotel to, to get his phone. That was kind of the story. Uh, yeah, and then somehow they ended up naked in the bathroom. <laughs> well, I think he did just, his penis fell uh, on that poor maid. That was yeah. probably just him just being an idiot and a douchebag. But they, yeah. they cleverly used that. Uh, to distract from the fact that uh, uh, that they were actually just hacking the guy's phone to get him, you know, to get him out of the the race and to get uh, Christine Lagarde into the IMF, and that's the cover up. Yeah, because Lagarde is going to be the one that becomes a president and or prime minister eventually. Queen, queen. She's going to become queen of the universe. All right, that's about all. Like, I mean, there's other. I, think, I, I mean, think. we we should mention that the. Uh, the Senate uh, approved the, was it, uh, the belligerent terrorist bill. So now that goes to the, the president, who could, of course, veto it if he had any balls. Uh, that is, what is it, S-1860, uh, 1680? The one, the, the one that uh, allows the, uh, the, the, a secret panel to essentially determine if you're belligerent. And if you're belligerent, then uh, you, you go to Gitmo. Yeah, I, yeah, there's I yeah, I think it still has to be something has to be resolved at the house level though. I don't think so. A 61 to 37 vote. Yeah, but you still you can't just pass a bill in the Senate and send it to the president. Well, it's, didn't it's, it already go through the house? I don't know. I have to look into it. I I mean, I th didn't think the thing was going to get this far, so I didn't follow it as closely as I should have. Um, no, I I think uh, it goes to it, everything I'm reading here. Well, this it came out of the house and then went to the Senate and then they just you know, didn't do anything negative to it. They could just go to, right to the president after that, I guess. I don't know. I'll look into it. Today. Uh, to, it would be discussed on Sunday. Right. But Tuesday, 61 to 30, 37 vote. Uh, granted the military dibs exposed a deep rift with it within the Democratic Party. And so now they're kind of looking at it differently now uh, as will Obama veto this. Uh, but I think it's you done. Veto if it gives the president more power. 
Well, no, of course not. <laughs> of course, he's not going to be that. But that's the only that's the only thing we have left. Otherwise, it's a done deal. I think I, I think it's done. Uh, if it's in the Senate, it doesn't go from Senate to the House. It goes it's House to Senate, right? No, it can go any way it wants. Oh, really? Yeah, the Senate dreams up stuff out of the blue and says, "Hey, you guys, look at this. What do you think?" And uh, that's awesome. what all these committees for. They're supposed uh, to organize this I think, stuff. I think is awesome. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I, I got some stuff. I'll keep it for Sunday. Some Drone Nation stuff, which is pretty funny. We'll keep that for Sunday. Unless you have... Uh, no, some, I'm good to go. Some other I pressing matters. I think we covered all the important stuff. Well, I think we have uh, once again brought you uh, two and a half hours of uh, quality analysis, including numerology about uh, tech influencers John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry. You could check out the Yogi videos. They're all in the show notes. 361.nashownotes.com along with all of the uh, clips we played and all of the links uh, that is a part of the service we provide to you for free all you have to do is consider supporting us if you think that somehow somehow we're worth an alm yeah and we don't we don't package you the listener up as some sort of a product a, a product that we <clears throat> then let watch walk over to an advertiser and say look what we got here you want to talk to these people you know, we'll, we'll do whatever you say. Whatever you tell us to do, boss, we'll do it, and these people will be listening. We don't go, it doesn't, you're the ones, the listeners, that uh, are the boss. Speaking of that, we'll be back like good little servants to our bosses on Sunday. And I'll be here at Camp Mofo in the capital of the Lone Star State, Austin, Texas, in the morning, everybody. I am the very belligerent Adam Curry. And uh, again, in northern Silicon Valley, with nothing really clever to say as a final, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back on Sunday right here on No Agenda. Good afternoon, everyone, and and welcome to the White House as we kick off the holiday season. Uh, This is... Oh, yes, here's a little one. You come on up. Come on up. Dvorak.org slash N-A.